Welcome back, Overcasters. It's Jay here, over with the Over Manga Cast, the podcast about that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting. Join us as we overanalyze our second installment of Jujutsu Kaisen by Gege Akutami, chapters 19 through 54. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam. And welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. As always, here at the top of the show, we like to talk about what our experience with the franchise that we read is.、Uh, this is、uh, another returning episode. We've got we've got a lot of these this year so far. I have not、uh, experienced too much more of it after our previous episode that we did on this particular property. I watched a bit of the anime. I did enjoy the anime. It, it kind of fell off my radar, but I liked it because. It eliminates one of my vanishingly few complaints about the series, but I will talk about that later.、Uh, how about the rest of you,、uh, Matt? What's your familiarity with Jujutsu Kaisen, or has it changed since last time?、Uh, it actually hasn't changed since last time because,、uh, as it's been a bit, but when we did the last episode, I had said that Jujutsu Kaisen was one of the few things I was keeping up with weekly. I've dropped off keeping off with it weekly, but we've still not hit the point in the manga that、uh, I had read to. So this was just a reread for me mostly, and I never bothered to check out the、uh, anime. So all right,、uh, Jacob. No real change for me, which you know, hopefully you've seen our previous episode on、uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. I was, you know, not negative by any means, but fairly lukewarm on it, and I haven't really had the、uh, the bug hasn't、uh, bit me to take a another or a deeper look at it. So. No real change here. And Jay, I can firmly say there hasn't been a real change from our last visit. Still plugging away at the anime, though, and、mm-hmm. have had social media spoil things for me. But aside from that, <laughs> still on the same boat. Ah,、uh, good old I, social media. I think the one thing that has kept me from seeing Elden Ring spoilers on social media is a vanishingly. F- Small number of people have actually gotten to the end of it yet, so <laughs> it's not exactly being circulated widely. But、um, that is、uh, something else entirely. Yes, we got back into、uh, the world of、uh, Jujutsu Sorcery, and、uh, we start off this current reading an average high school kid being、um, hideously bullied, which. Kind of par for the course for this、uh, manga, actually. Yeah, I I always forget exactly how dark this can get. Which, given the power system, it's like it's kind of amazing that that escapes me. I think it's because of the way that the characters act. The basically the characters pretend they're in a dragon's Dragon Ball style shonen manga where、uh, you kind of know that the good guys are gonna win in the end, and it's a surprise. Things go、mm. seriously wrong. Jujutsu Kaisen, I think. I think a decent comparison of at least the way that the world works would be to the sort of like beating back against nihilism of Chainsaw Man, where、mm-hmm. the world is really, really shitty, and kind of some of the point of a lot of the characters is to. Yeah, but I'm gonna deal with it. The characters it, tend to be so perky. Like, I, it, it kind of goes to show how you can get used to anything.、Mm. Yeah, I think another big thing in Jujutsu Kaisen's favor, at least for why it feels tonally like this, is、um, the cursed spirits being this strong and dangerous is a recent phenomenon that's really that, popping、mm. up with these guys. 
because I, uh, we get told in this part, like even um, how their ranking system works is like a rank one Jujutsu Sorcerer and a rank one curse are not the same level of power. Mm -hmm. They are judged based on like a rank one Sorcerer should always like firmly be a rank one curse because they obviously do these rankings because they don't want their people constantly dying mm -hmm, which yeah. you know great if demon slayer could do that that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, basically the way that they present it is that there's like a there's like a half step up for yeah. uh the sorcerer rankings relative to the curse spirit rankings but that's that's basically the thing is why there's this kind of devil may care attitude about a bunch of the characters is they are in a world where if we are up against something that we should be up against, which frankly, they actually are a lot of times, there's really no risk to them. It's just this uh, power dynamic has suddenly drastically shifted with, um, it, frankly, you, uh, Yuji and uh, Sukuna. Sukuna. Like they have started tipping the balance drastically when it was already starting to tip from um, uh, chapter zero. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where that tonal shift is going. You've got all these people who are like, yeah, no, we're in a shonen manga. Oh, God, they're, the enemies are now just one hit killing people. OK, that's a problem. Sudden power scaling. Oh, God. We don't uh, start with something quite like that. We start with average everyday situations as uh, Junpei Yoshino is being uh, harassed by some upperclassmen or, or some fellow classmen, I think. I don't even think they're uh, older than him. And uh, we don't actually see what gets done to him but it is eliciting a lot of screaming and the bullies flunkies saying isn't that going a bit too far it's probably it, what, a what, beating we, is what he's getting we know what it is because it comes up later oh that's right yeah, yeah. Um, uh it's cigarette burns he put out his cigarette on junpei's head over and over and over again and that's why junpei has his hair uh brushed down to cover that part of his forehead to cover the numerous burn scars mm -hmm. uh we get a really strong moment uh early from junpei in this scene too where despite all of the abuse that he's getting and like we get his internal monologue and from the looks of all of the people participating in the situation this is he is correctly assessing what's going on some girl said that he had touched her you know, mm -hmm. and like not even necessarily in a creepy way, just in general touched her, um, which uh, didn't ha actually happen. And so um, her sim squad basically uh, came over to beat Junpei up. And whilst he's experiencing this, he looks them all in the face and says, she's not even pretty enough to be worth doing this. You all know that, right? Boom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really strong character moment from him. She's not even that hot. I don't yeah, know why you're doing this. It's a it's a really like killer line. It's like he uh -huh. brings it to all. And then that's why they start burning his head. But mm -hmm. like obviously that's not deserved. But yeah, no. yeah. Junpei, is, line. Junpei is full of killer lines. One of the things he says after this experience is uh, if I had a button that could kill everyone I hate, I'm not sure I could push it. But if I had a button that could kill everyone who hated me, I'd hit it without hesitation. Mm, That's yeah. power. That's real power there. It's like, obviously, desiring the death of others is not good. But you, given what he goes through, you kind of sympathize. And 
I, I don't know if this is telling on myself, but I can't say I wholeheartedly disagree. Especially in the context that Junpei is, because I, I do feel the same way in a, a lot of it. Like, I... I don't know that I would push either button, but I know I'd be so much more tempted to push the latter. And mm -hmm. I'd like to hope I wouldn't, but I don't know if I have the self-control. Same. And especially in Junpei's case, it's very understandable why he's so why he knows he wouldn't hesitate. Why he he's almost glad that he doesn't have that power yet. Um mm. because um uh, he knows that he couldn't be trusted with that kind of power. And it's because, especially with the encounter that we see, that we're introduced to him with, we can see very clearly there are people who hate him for existing. He didn't do anything wrong. There are people who hate him arbitrarily just because, you know, people can be sometimes because they are. Uh, people and they need someone to kick around to feel big it's very understandable the very negative place that he's in it's really understandable mm -hmm. to see why he feels the way he does he decides to skip school and go to the movies i'm not gonna yeah. lie i kind of forgot that we got a tease of this scene at the end of our last reading i forget where i thought we left off but i had completely forgotten that the stinger at the end of our previous reading was the whammy panel of the of the cronenberg aftermath of uh, this next scene yeah, that's a thing mm -hmm. Jujutsu Kaisen does pretty well, is their whammy panels at the end. The next page of the next chapter is normally explaining it. And that goes all the way throughout, like, our entire reading, pretty much, even. But he goes to the movies, and he, on some level, and again, on some level, he knows it, it's not good for me to be skipping school. I shouldn't be going to the movies in the middle of the day. I, I should go to class, and they should really turn off their phones and shut up down there. Man. You ever just think if all the annoying people in the world would just Oh, wait, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Why is that guy's head shaped like that now? <laughs> mm -hmm. a, a weird guy appeared behind these people, reshaped their physical forms like clay into a mutilated Cronenberg-esque horror that swiftly killed them. And nobody seemed to notice weird guy doing this, except Junpei. So that's how we know we got a curse on our hands. We get some uh, procedural bits of uh, with the uh, Tokyo police, just like it, it's an average day within the Tokyo police. And they're like, there was some weird guy at the scene before we even got there. That's suspicious, right? Except mm. he had he had documentation that uh, took our jurisdiction away from us. And nobody seems to be questioning this at headquarters. I I love the detective who because this is the newbie all saying all of this. And the detective just goes, look, I'm going to tell you right now here. If weird stuff goes down and creepy people come out of nowhere fixing it, you keep your mouth shut and you will make it to retirement. <laughs> and I just you, love that. that you sets accept up, that blessing. <laughs> yeah, it just sets up that like, yeah, the police are aware of these mass murders curses are doing. They just don't acknowledge it because it's not like they can fight curses and... They'd only get in the way and make the situation worse, so they leave it to the experts. It's yep. they are they are either tangentially aware or explicitly aware of the jujitsu sorcerers, and the wise, hardened old cops do not look that gift horse in the mouth. I appreciate the fact that like you have the secret magic underworld, you know, and where it intersects with uh, you know, the the normal world, uh, and the uh, authorities in the normal world are like actually informed and not actively. Uh, 
they're not getting dudes, in the way yeah. of the plot because <laughs> that mm. that tends to be common it, it's a very real moment of the police officer just being like yep no you don't think about this too hard and you will be fine just move on it's a very real moment <laughs> telling the underling to not think too hard but um our boy is bliss yep our boy Yuji, uh, he has completed his movie watching training and is now uh, going out to do some field work to deal with some minor curses with the help of one uh, Kento Nanami. Oh yeah, I, I really like Nanami. Mm -hmm. He's a he, he's a fun character. I I really like his uh, curse technique because he literally tells people to get ratioed. <laughs> <laughs> he is a finance guru. Plus, didn't ask. Plus, ratio. Plus. Like, through and through. He's a numbers man. I used to work in finance, but then I decided to switch over to Curse Spirits. The pay was <laughs> comparable. Which is great, because he's lying to Yuji when he says that. <laughs> his, his actual backstory is that he, he went to Jujutsu High, realized that being a Jujutsu Sorcerer is incredibly dangerous and bullshit. So he decides to get into the world of finance so he can make enough money to live an easy life. But doing that was so soul-crushing. Big really surprise there. <laughs> it, it dragged on him to the point where he, it trying to feel anything he reflexively did a bit of exorcism off the books and called up gojo and said yeah i want to i want to get back into the business this made me think about since he obviously thinks the whole hierarchy and politics behind you know jujitsu sorcerers are is bullshit but at the same time, he was really good at the financial stuff. He could really come back as a consultant. Do it part time. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. My man, I think, is very in love with the eight hour workday. Mm -hmm. uh, anything beyond that is. <laughs> what gave you that idea? <laughs> I, I clocked in at 10. I clock out by six. No exceptions. And I'm like, buddy, you don't understand how much I appreciate you enforcing the eight hour workday. Not enough people do that. You gotta really have yep. the backbone for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm now on overtime as his cursed energy explodes. <laughs> oh, it's it's so good. I love that. He's, he's got a gimmick and he leans into it and is still a fun character despite being that. Because his gimmick's mm -hmm. real subtle is really what helps aid do it too. I was just going to say that his gimmick doesn't get in the way. Fitting for the power system that the series uses. Mm -hmm. Grumpy irritation, being stuck at work when you really, quite frankly, shouldn't be. But this, you know, office nonsense is keeping me here is the exact kind of negative energy that can be uh, easily controlled through uh, curse, uh, curse oh, energy. Yeah, the fact that the second he has to work overtime, his power like triples. I, I think mm -hmm. it says it's a factor of 2.5 because he's like a whole like... He gives exact numbers that don't mean anything, yes. <laughs> yeah, because his whole thing is like mathematical ratios because again, finance guy, so obviously very math-focused power system for him. But like, mm -hmm. I just love the fact the second he's clocked into overtime, he goes into overtime. <laughs> Yuji and Nanami go to investigate the scene of the crime where they find some minor curses. Uh, Nanami uses his uh, three-sevenths ratio power, which lets him divide... Strike the weak point for massive damage. It lets him divide anything into sevenths, and then if he hits the third seventh, it is uh, a critical hit. Or I think it. I think it. No, it's, it's he tenths. divides things into tenths, and then and if he oh, hits the seventh tenth. It's yeah. It, 
it's the same oh, okay. thing. It, it doesn't really matter. He, yeah, yeah. There is an arbitrary weak point based on like a good ratio. Again, it's a whole math thing is with him. And so he handily dispatches one of the curses as uh, Yuji is using his new divergent fist technique. I, I love how much they hype up the divergent fist when really it's just Yuji's real bad at manifesting his curse energy. So bad to the point that he's accidentally made a technique out of it because people are caught off guard yeah. by how slow his cursed energy is to keep up with his physical like strength. I Yeah, I love it because it's... I mean, that aspect of it is cool. And then also he's going to learn a new technique later. And once we get to that, oh boy, I'm going to have some fun because uh, the way that Divergent Fist can interplay with other elements of particularly how Yuji fights, but also like, you know, this whole cursed energy, you know, combat system and all. It has a lot of potential to uh, create for some really cool, uh, you know, fight dynamics. Reading this has reaffirmed to me why uh, one of the biggest draws of Jujutsu Kaisen is its power system, because for being as simple as negative emotions are uh, magical strength, like, that's the one-sentence pitch, but it's used in so many crazy ways, and it has a uh, seemingly infinite depth to it to make for very interesting fights. It's also got my favorite, like, justification in shonen power systems, where they're like, why do we have people explaining it to each other, and they just... It gets mentioned twice in this reading. It's like, well, no, jujitsu curse uh, techniques... Some of them actually just get stronger when you announce the rules to your opponent, so it makes the technique more real to them. And also, sometimes mm -hmm. what you can do is you can just lie to your opponent about what your technique does, so they're caught off guard by you lying to them. Because emotions have an effect on the amount of power that you have, mind games are a natural part of it, which is kind of an extension of the way shonen fights have always worked. Exactly. I was about mm -hmm. to say that's very much on par with what immediately comes to mind is Duelist Kingdom from Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, yeah, mind, mind gaming the opponent over and over and over again. Yes. I mean, that's like leaning into the um, the the mind games of how shonen fights work. But also I was thinking more in the context of even if you look at something like Dragon Ball, like it's very simple, but there is still a level of mind games. Like just for example, the way Roshi wins the 21st Tenkaichi Badokai is his legs are literally longer and he tricks Goku into a kick fight. You know, it takes those two extremes and blends them well. After Nanami handily dispatches one of the minor curses, he realizes something, pulls out his phone and takes a picture of it. And he tells Yuji not to uh, kill the other one because he took a picture of it with his phone and it worked, which means that it's not a curse. It's a physical thing. These are people. They, they don't look like people at all. They look like demons. So this is the. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, uh, and it is explained by uh, Nurse Lady back at Jujutsu High that um, these are humans that through a cursed technique have been morphed into these monsters. And uh, she feel... immediately... Go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I just felt the need to interject that Shoko is a doctor. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, doctor. Yeah, she doctor is a lady. doctor. She has full on earned those credentials. She didn't go to eight years of cursed medical school to be called a nurse. <laughs> You know what? I I I formally apologize. <laughs> it, I mean, to be fair, you you could argue that most colleges are cursed, but you know that's another. <laughs> but um, I I do like how she immediately turns to Yuji and goes, "Hey, 
you literally had no way of knowing and they were going to die anyway because of what happened to them do not feel guilty about it and he goes she then she then instructs them to go ahead and just kill them because that well, would be more it would be yeah. more humane because the the scene that we're referring to has the spared uh transformed humans on uh, autopsy tables because they slowly and painfully expired after they had been captured. So <laughs> there's not really anything mm -hmm. to be done at that point. Yep. It's uh, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> it's incredibly unsettling. One of my like minor complaints with Jujutsu Kaisen is visual clarity. Uh, and it mostly comes down to the speech bubbles. It's often hard to tell which speech bubble is attributed to, to who unless it literally has a label in the bubble this is not one of those moments because she she tells yuji to not feel guilty about it and he says yeah okay and you can see on his face no he's currently spiraling in guilt right now yep. mm -hmm. he is actively beating himself up well because at this point yuji's entire motivation for being a jujitsu sorcerer is to help people find a natural death and he's basically been told mm -hmm. that's been taken away from these people yeah he wants people to die properly and having lived out to an old age and expired naturally as his grandfather did and hopefully surrounded by more people these people were brutally transformed by a monster into hideous agonized mockeries of the human form and then put down by people like him and that does not sit well on the boy's shoulders at all and yeah, there's also one of the one of the elements i noticed is that cursed spirits will occasionally like mumble something associated with the emotion that uh they had the uh the people transformed into these twisted monsters also did the same thing there was really no way like i'm honestly not entirely sure how nanami realized that there was anything unusual about them one of them was wearing a wristwatch mm. That's oh, right. right. Actually, I you know, I thank you for reminding me because I was going to praise that. I remember when I was uh, initially reading it, I saw there's a there's like a glamour shot of here's the cursed spirit that we're going to you know use to introduce our new character Nanami. And um, I noticed there was it didn't zoom in onto the wristwatch until later. But in the initial shot showing off this, you know, random cursed spirit, that's all it is, right? There was something about the way it was drawn that drew your eye to the fact that it was wearing a wristwatch. And I noticed that and I'm like, that's a really weird detail to have. And then you're right, Nanami figured out that uh, that wasn't a that wasn't like some kind of like spiritual construct of time. It was a literal, actual, real watch. Because he saw after he had defeated uh, the creature that it was still ticking. And that was how he figured it out, which was a, a really good planting and payoff, you know, Chekhov's gun moment. But basically, after that uh, exchange, uh, we get like the main uh, character point of uh, Nanami in that uh, despite the fact that uh, Yuji is objectively very powerful with Sukuno's uh, fingers inside him. I'll retake that. Um <laughs> No, fingers are deep inside of him. Essentially, despite the fact he's got this like inborn power, he still treats Yuji like a child and is just like, this isn't something for children. Go, go. I'll take care of investigating the rest of this. You go uh, with the caretaker guy I forget the name of. He's not very who important. Who constantly like leaves him behind or is just like, oh, I was supposed to, you know, take care of him. Yeah. I think he attempted to kill Yuji last arc, so I'm not... <laughs> 100% sure why they trust him again, but whatever. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but he's... Never mind. 
I, he's not a threat is the other I big think, thing. I think the big thing is the worst that he had done was he didn't stop the assassination attempt, but also he didn't stop Gojo from trying to stop the assassination yeah. attempt. Not that he could do either anyway. This guy is just a long-suffering uh, yeah, chauffeur, basically. Exactly. He's just useless and just frustrates me because he's constantly left... He's just constantly left caring for him, but he just can't even do that. Nope. And he's also the one who comes up with the plan on like, well, we've got to see if this Junpei kid can see cursed spirits. I'm going to unleash these two flyhead demon or spirits. You know, if they attack him, then we'll know he can't see them. And if he dodges or whatever, we'll know he can. And if he instantly destroys them, we'll know he's a threat. And then Yuji's just like, this doesn't seem like a great plan, but we're both kind of dumb, so let's go for it. Not ethical <laughs> at all. No, well, it's, no, it's not. It's, there is a non-zero chance an innocent person is getting assaulted because they were at the scene of a crime, not... And, and if he defends himself, he's a threat. Witch trial logic. there are a couple cases where yuji talks about how he's not that smart and honestly i know that's a standard shonen protagonist trait but i think we even mentioned last time he's honestly not that dumb like he doesn't really fall into that trope category he's got very good instincts yes that's the trope i was about to expand upon a lot of the uh, protagonists are criticized for being intellectually or not Yes, academically inferior, dumb, dumbasses. But when it comes to, you know, the heat of battle or just being able to pick on those little nuances um, that happen in between people socially, they excel to such an extent that people are like, whoa, I never would have been able to, per- to perceive that. And it's like, well, yeah, because you don't understand people. Yuji dodges a lot of the jokes a lot of shonen protagonists eventually get, which is like, they're not smart, but they're good at fighting. He's just... He doesn't care about it a lot. Yeah. He's he's he, he's not tactically minded, which when he's compared to his peers is probably not great. Um, it really it, it just comes out the most in non-combat situations where he's just kind of airheaded. Mm-hmm. But see, that's sort of the point I was getting at, though, because uh, it definitely frames Yuji that way. But sort of the thing about this scene is that the way that the weenie little chauffeur is is phrasing it is that. Yuji will be just behind the cursed spirit, and if Junpei doesn't react, then he's a red herring, etc., etc., etc. And Yuji immediately uh, notices, that's a stupid idea. If anything goes wrong, that could kill him. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. like, I don't even think that he really falls into that category. They just say that because that's kind of standard for shonens. Well, regardless, uh, instead of doing the plan, he uh, Yuji's being kind of harassed by his teacher when we switch to his. Uh, uh, y- Yuji's being harassed by his teacher he hasn't seen in 17 chapters. No, um, yeah, you're right. I challenge you to another shot put match. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Yuji's been to one day of high school. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, um, yeah, so Junpei is getting harassed by one of his teachers because, um, again, those kids that were killed in the movie theater were his classmates. So his teacher came over and like, hey, you've been skipping school. And also you didn't come to the memorial service for your classmates. That's kind of weird. And Junpei's like, I hated those guys. I also kind of hate you. But he doesn't say that out loud because Junpei has dark thoughts, but is not vocalizing them. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, it, it's one of those situations where, like, the teacher's really easy to hate, but you also, it's very obvious that he's just 
not paying attention to the red yeah. flags. It's not like he's being actively malicious or bullying. It's just he could be doing better. I think they do a really good job of making Junpei's like his bullying's pretty severe. But really, it's only really accelerated by a few people not paying attention and one person taking it too far and no mm -hmm. one really standing up to like, it's not the entire world is against him constantly beating him down. It's some people who should have been paying attention weren't or they didn't think it was as severe and one person took it too far and it kind of just was accepted, mm. which really yes. like he was a, he was a child who was left behind. Yeah, basically, like this interaction is a good moment reinforcing, you know, the the stuff that we mentioned earlier about those two buttons in which one Jinpei uh, wouldn't be able to push and which one he'd push in an instant, because it really does. If someone was around to uh, stop the people in the latter category, he wouldn't feel so strongly about it. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, uh, Yuji to the rescue with uh, cursed spirit shenanigans as uh, he runs in to grab the fly head which junpei obviously noticed and yuji noticed him noticing and the <laughs> the chauffeur dropped the box and they both got out, both of the fly heads that they had got out the teacher not seeing this at all is just yelling at yuji like what are you on about why do why do you uh and you just interrupt people's conversations all the time and yuji stands there processes pants the teacher and runs around the entire block <laughs> There's also there's also the element of um, the the teacher turns the corner of the block. And uh, when Junpei is just like looking around confused, he notices that Yuji is already standing behind him because he already ran the entire block because oh. Yuji. <laughs> well, I could tell you didn't like that guy and I just naturally do this. <laughs> I just oh. naturally pants random people who are annoying other people, I guess. Yuji, stop. I know you've been dead for two months, but that's not cool. You've been watching a lot of movies. <laughs> oh, God, that makes so much sense, actually. He's been watching a lot of movies. He's just like, yeah, this is acceptable, right? This is yeah. normal human behavior. Sure, buddy. <laughs> he and Junpei bro it up over their love of movies in a, in a very touching scene, you know? There's a, there's a very strong sense of Junpei is a cinephile, like he really just likes movies in general. And then here's Yuji, who is like, I've never had a particular love of movies, but I have seen so many recently. I have a lot to talk about. Yep. And they do indeed get involved into a deep conversation. Yeah, they they, yes. they deeply analyze the sequel to a B movie. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe I can with them a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> Look, having known Jacob for well over a decade at this point. I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> I saw I saw this scene and I'm like, this feels like something Jake would slot right into. <laughs> I, I love Junpei's line is essentially like, it's not a very good movie, but I've got a lot of thoughts about it. Oh, my gosh, that is a vibe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's such a vibe. Listen, and, Jay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it, it seems like it, it's just this happy little scene until a villain appears, looks down at them and set from like an overpass and says, all according to Keikaku. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget uh, exactly where these scenes line in, but like the entire time this like side wait. paneling is the main curse villains are having their little like island vacation cutaways. Yeah, it's just like, is this supposed I, to be like in a different 
dimension or are they literally just at the beach right now like down downtown oh, at no, the beach oh no it's it's a different dimension it's okay. like a pocket dimension thing okay like if you could make a pocket dimension wouldn't you not make it the beach no i would oh, i would probably would <laughs> the, the, the duality of man <laughs> <laughs> they're having their like super secret meeting and it's like we can now manipulate sukuna's vessel mahito will have it's like mahito which Mo <laughs> in yes. my head he was he, in my head he's mojito <laughs> i mean you'd still be correct yes yeah. he's also naked most of the time yeah yes, but, because uh, he's the perfection of man yes mm -hmm. so he yeah. naturally has to be naked all the time yes yeah he he is the primary antagonist of this arc and he is the one who did the cronenberging earlier because <laughs> Uh, he has the capacity to see people's souls, and more than that, he can touch the, them and manipulate them. And because the form of the body is derived from the form of the soul, by reshaping people's souls, he reshapes their bodies, and that's how we get the Cronenberg monsters. You know, this is just said, this is just like explained as his power and i'm left sitting there like this is a pretty hefty metaphysical reveal that you just did akutami sensei <laughs> are, are you sure you want to just move on from this and now nanami is fighting him okay sure i, I love how complicated mojito's power is and how seamlessly it's explained like it's mm -hmm. a very complicated thing that they manage pretty well in their explanation by like Mm -hmm. two three pages you you can really tell that akutami sensei has spent a lot of time studying the power systems of shonen manga particularly how to make it so that uh even the most complicated power doesn't come across as stupid mm. <laughs> i'm looking at you lieutenant hinawa <laughs> uh, I, my, my immediate thought was the thing that jojo's parodies but yeah mm -hmm. no i mean there's a balancing act because i mean like you know again we mentioned that you know the mind games associated with um shonen fights you want to have power sets that interact in interesting ways you want to surprise the audience without having to cheat them you know that's that's like the key to making a exciting shonen fight this is a power set that you know has a lot of different facets to it but I think one thing that really helps is that the that the user of this power set is a philosophical thinker with mm -hmm. the maturity of a child. Mm -hmm. So he explains it in a way that a child could grasp to, you know, people who are smarter than that. And yeah. that allows it to not linger too much on the metaphysics and, and get to the important bits. Yeah, it's that old truism of if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, do you truly understand this thing? But uh, Nanami and Mahito are fighting, and it's like uh, Mahito's power, we learn later, requires he has to place his entire palm onto his victim. Uh, so right now, he's just a really, really, really strong guy, which, because he's a special grade cursed spirit, and that's more than enough to make him a threat to Nanami. Well, he can also throw out his uh, compressed human dolls where he puts the soul so deeply and then they are like Pokeballs, basically. So he's also constantly summoning waves of ads. Yeah, they don't live long like this, so I better use them before they expire. Mm -hmm. Because again, maturity of a child. I gotta say, one of the most interesting things about Mahito is he is a cursed spirit that is a manifestation of humans hating and fearing each other. That just that just makes sense, right? 
but he also says that he's a relatively new spirit and it's like how's that humans have hated and feared each other and i'm just going to completely steal this line from jeff Thu. but uh, we've hated each other since there was enough of us to create a them Mahito represents a a different kind of hatred and fear humans have of one another one born from the fact that we are exposed to each other more than ever with the power of the information age or at least uh that was uh Miss uh, Jeff Thu's read on it, and one that I kind of, I kind of vibe with. Kind of like he has a kind of uh, smug Twitter profile energy to him. Yeah, oh. yeah, kind of like what I get from Mojito is like he's said like it's a fear and hatred of humanity, but I think it's I, I've always read him more as like he's a fear and hatred of humanity's like hatred of themselves because his power is entirely based mm -hmm. on like body modification and being the ideal version of you and how that's fake and is like going to kill you if you li that's probably getting a bit mm -hmm. too deep into it but like that's my kind of take on why he's a newly born curse is like this is a very like social media age of like yeah airbrushed and photoshopped yeah and that's why he's like no they're all empty they're all just clay to be molded into what is perfect because if you aren't perfect, you're a monster. I think I think both of those are both valid and interesting reads. I didn't really read him that deeply, I'll admit, um, <laughs> mostly because mostly because I did get caught up on the idea that, like, if you're the fear, uh, if you're humans fear of other humans, then how are you new? I, I, I got caught up on that. And uh, it could also be all of these super powered curses that are coming out of the woodwork are from a different thing economy the fear of like the forest is also new i think so i they think yeah there's both implication that he's new and ancient which yeah. honestly i feel like that's a world building element of the series that it can definitely leverage because mm -hmm. in all honesty maybe mahito has existed as long as there have been enough people to have them but he hasn't existed in, in this form until recently, which honestly fits with both yeah. of the uh, uh, reads of like, him. Like Chainsaw Man logic and like there can always be a like angel devil. But like when one of them dies, they don't come back. A new one comes back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's also kind of the fridge logic moment of cursed spirits are born of human emotion. And the global human population has multiplicatively skyrocketed very very recently mm. it skyrocketed and only recently started to level off globally too so like mm. we're we're hitting at least as far as you know before we start going into space we've hit peak human at this point mm -hmm. which you know there's a metaphor in that somewhere circa jujitsu kai uh, jujitsu kaisen and that kind of explains how special grade cursed spirits are becoming more common. There's just more people feeling more bad feelings. Yep. But anyway, Mahito and uh, Nanami are fighting and it's really cool considering <laughs> a, I think we've we've talked mostly about what the cool moments from Nanami are in this fight because uh -huh. this is where the whole I'm a salary man. I started work at 10 a.m. I'm clocking out by six and then they keep fighting until six o'clock hits. His wristwatch alerts him that it's six. like you messed up. Now I'm on overtime. <laughs> and he starts beating up Mahito, who is very confused. Yep. And the way this fight ends is uh, we learn that Nanami's power doesn't have to happen on living things. He can also do that on the environment. And uh, they were fighting in a sewage runoff uh, they're, underground chamber. They're fighting in one of those sewer environments that don't exist in real life, but make good 
uh, stages for fight scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know the one. You know, those yeah. giant arenas we keep below the city in case, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles want to have a battle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, you know, it also it also strongly resembles um, uh, Bluebeard and I forget his summoner's name because he doesn't matter. But uh, the antagonists from Fate Zero. And uh, I think Okutami Sensei was drawing on that a little bit. And I appreciate that. But uh, the point being, Nanami uses his power to collapse the ceiling <laughs> and saying, all right, well, hopefully all those tons of falling rocks kill you. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Yeah, I've already overstayed. I'm not getting paid enough for this. <laughs> and it's great because it would have killed him. But Mihito found out in that very moment that he is capable of modifying his own soul or whatever cursed spirits have, I guess what... But well, you know, so when your life is like flashing before your eyes, you really well, all the synapses are just firing he, to save yourself. He was going to die. So he's just like, well, nothing to lose. And then did like a weird wormy body out of himself and like slowly cr climbed out of the rubble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the way that he describes how souls work, souls are, I believe, a manifestation of consciousness. I think that's how Jujutsu Kaisen defines I them. I think so, so. So with that in mind, of course a curse would have a soul. They are made of thought. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it it's one of those ones where um, it's almost like a moment of in-universe fridge logic where he realizes, wait, I totally have a soul too because I am made of thought. He's able to mold his without it slowly killing him, which is probably the better thing. <laughs> I was going to say he touches himself, but like, yes. Raising. But deeply, hey. yeah. Yes, deeply touches himself. <laughs> he, he deeply touches himself there, I said I, it. I'm He's going to be a little you... gentle so he doesn't hurt himself, but... <laughs> Look, we will get to his domain expansion and all of the hands later. <laughs> oh, we will. <laughs> anyway, uh, this fight has been going on simultaneously with um, Yuji hanging out with uh, Junpei. Uh, and then Junpei's mom comes to pick him up because he's like, she's like, hey, I got a call that you didn't go to school. Also, someone pants your teacher. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. His cool mom. His mom is pretty cool. Oh, she Junpei's mom. So cool. Too yeah. good for this world. Too good Shush. for this world. And she's rapidly taken out of it. <laughs> Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I mean, we the series really leans into its uh, angsty theming uh, with uh, this arc pretty hard. Uh, you know, I to to good effect, I'd say. But it really it really leans into that. Look at this super cool character. Wouldn't it be a shame if the super cool character immediately died? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, it, it's great because she's got that like mom of a kid. She knows has some social anxiety problems. She's like, oh, my God, you have a friend. No, we've got to invite him over for dinner. Come on. Mm -hmm. I have never met any of his friends. I sometimes think they don't exist. Come on. We're having dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're and just <laughs> like, cool, cool family. I've not had one of those for several months. <laughs> I mean, hey, free food. I ain't gonna say no to that. Yuji, tell me some more jokes. You're so funny. Yuji just quoting movies. Mm -hmm. And mom doesn't get it, but Junpei finds it hilarious. What a what a weird scenario. They're at dinner and she's like, hey, Yuji, you're kind of funny. Tell another joke. And then he just goes the scene from Castaway with a plate. Wilson! Like, <laughs> what a weird non sequitur. <laughs> I, I mean, she found that joke funny. And then that, that's the point where uh, Junpei's like, wait, isn't that from Castaway? Yeah, you got it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Show and then Protag thumbs up TM. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it is all of these hours later that Weedy Chauffeur finally uh, gets in contact with Yuji. Blin, the higher-ups hear about this. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Oh, hi. Uh, hello, higher-ups calling me on the phone. No, I'm going to get him right now. What do you mean you're not with him? Uh, 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 beep. <laughs> and that's basically his life. That's That's been his life since he's that's been introduced to us. I, I love how Nanami is in that phone call going like, what is going on with there? Well, I'd investigate this more, but I'm currently dying. <laughs> yeah. Because he got hit once, and that was enough for him to go, this is going to kill me. He's been bleeding profusely ever since, so he's limping his way back to uh, get medical attention. I'm bleeding, and I should be clocked out now, so I'm just going to go. But uh, Junpei's mom drinks herself to sleep. and well, Almost uh, to sleep. Uh, almost to sleep. She is awoken by uh, a finger being dropped on the kitchen table. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Sound asleep, too. Such a casual reaction, too. It's like, is this a finger? (laughs) I I mean, she did just kind of come out of a half stupor, and it's such an odd thing. Like, it, it kind of makes sense that her brain is foggy, not really keeping up, and maybe if she had, like, another five seconds, she'd freak out. She doesn't have those five seconds as a uh, weird booby demon. Whatever the hell that thing is. <laughs> it's hideous. Oh. I, I actually oh, really it. love how um, it handled this scene with like the big gross mm. demon behind it. That's the whammy panel. And then the next chapter starts with a black like image completely with just text informing what the police found the next day. It's and I'm so, like, oh, no. it, it's so impersonal for a character that in an extremely short amount of time we've come to endear ourselves to. Because in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. that's the perfect mom for Junpei if it if the authority figures at his school could have stopped the bullying. Because she's mm-hmm. so understanding of his anxieties and his issues. One could argue that maybe she should have been a, at least a little bit stricter, but like she wasn't, you know... She wasn't making the situation worse by, like, yelling at him and and being, you know, dismissive of the reason why he wasn't at school. So quickly we get endeared to this character, and then the way that we're told about what happened to her is so impersonal and so cold. With complete intention, it's so jarring. It's It, it makes it even more painful. And, like, the worst part in my mind, like, there's the whammy panel of the curse appearing behind her. It feels like the kind of panel that happens when, oh, no, character is in danger. And then, like, you turn the page, you go to the next chapter, and the hero has arrived improbably at the last minute to kick the thing. That doesn't happen. We don't even get to see her death. It's just the next day the police found her with her uh, lower half missing and the rest of her packed into a lot of ice in the tub. And uh, Junpei is appropriately f***ed up about this. And he... Oh, wow, I actually hadn't noticed this but in the outline, but uh, Matt, that that is a way to describe it, and you are right. <laughs> but... <laughs> I immediately got these feelings, and it's one of those ones where... Okay, so the, the thing in the outline that... Uh, uh, I'll just say this outright, because Junpei goes all school shooter. And, like, the thing mm-hmm. is... It is done in a tasteful way because there's the layer of fantasy of all the magic that's going on. But like it really does take you through the mind of someone who's been hurt 
and you can you know it's not the the manga isn't framed sympathetically from junpei's perspective he's about to do something really really wrong Mm-hmm. And there's nothing okay about it, but it also makes you understand that he wasn't like born evil or crazy. There are things that could have been done that just weren't, and there's a reason why he's at this awful place. Yeah, and it's- like they do a lot to make you know that Junpei is really detached from reality at this point. I think there's a really good line at the beginning where he's just so matter of fact about what happened. He's just like, "Her funeral was today." I don't really have any black clothes, so I just grabbed the first thing I saw in her closet. Mm-hmm. And then, like, through the remainder of this arc, he's wearing a woman's blouse. Like, he doesn't own anything black, and he needs to be in mourning. And, like, he's just like, well, okay, I'm checked out. You know who's a pretty cool guy and the only person who's really been nice to me? That Mahito guy. Also, Yuji's pretty cool. But I don't know where he is. And I know he's a jujitsu sorcerer, so I don't really trust him. So I'm going to go talk to uh, Mahito about this. And Mahito's like, hey, that finger, that's a powerful cursed object. Somebody who has a lot of money and a reason to dislike you is uh, could have found a way to get this and put it in your house to draw that curse there to kill your mother. The first thing that comes to Junpei's mind is the rich kid bully that scarred him. And it's just, it's just so impossibly evil from Mahito. It's, it's such a manipulative thing, because my immediate thought was I was expecting uh, Mahito to uh, send Junpei against Yuji because cursed object, cursed sorcerer put, you know, put those together. But it goes in, in the direction of um, having him go after one of his bullies. But either way... The immediate thought that me, detached reader who is, you know, emotionally invested, but not, you know, part of that world. My immediate reaction is it's so obvious that Mahito did this. It's so blazingly obvious. But of course, uh, Junpei can't put that together because, you know, who are the people who have been nice and kind to him? He doesn't think they'd do this to him. Mm-hmm. Who's the pe- who's the person who's been the most cruel to him? You know, of all the of all the three people who it could be in uh, Junpei's mind, you know, it's, the people it's who either- are obviously have been openly cruel to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's it's either the rich asshole, the guy who's been nice to me and giving me superpowers or the random kid that I met. Or the cinephile who also knows about the superpowers I've been getting recently. Even if they didn't make it clear that uh, Mahito was was a villain, like if they cut some of his scenes down to make that less obvious, I still think it would be pretty obvious who was actually responsible for it. But like, again, it's easy to say that from the other side of the page. Uh-huh. Yeah, like it's clear Junpei doesn't want it to be Mahito, too, is the big thing. He yeah. wants it to be the people he's angry at mm-hmm. because that's that's like the entire way cursed techniques work though is you take what you're upset at you take those negative feelings and you direct them at people you make use of them and like what he's doing is like the bare minimum of a cursed technique he's got all this hate and resentment in him that he just wants to point at the person he hates and even though he's like wait do they really deserve it it doesn't matter it's just a power you can use yeah it is, a, it is a fire that needs to be let out of him he walks into the school during a big assembly there's like an award being given out and rich kid it's a pretty funny scene it was an yep. it was an essay contest and the rich bully gets first prize and he looks over at, at the second place winner and he says you idiot i asked for just a regular uh thing not a uh prize winning one mm-hmm. 
And like he's like legitimately angry that he has to do this. Well, because now he's got to defend the lie rather than just being adequate enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's just more reason to know that this kid's a piece of shit. <laughs> During all this, Jinpei walks into the auditorium and Mahito descends a curtain over the area. One of those black goopy things. And everybody falls asleep except uh, the teacher that was uh, that was pants and the rich kid bully that hates Jinpei and Jinpei summons a Shikigami, one of those cursed spirit puppet things, which is a giant jellyfish that inflicts an agonizing poison on the poor bastard. You deserve this and more. He's like, I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> this is some cosmic level retribution for burning your head with some cigarette butts which is bad i'm acknowledging that my arm is something right now both uh shota and the teacher they can't see the cursed spirit they can't see the shikigami that he summoned mm -hmm. but like reinforcing what we mentioned earlier both the teacher and the um and shota are like bad things happened but this is you know i don't deserve this none of these people deserve this and junpei just completely dead-eyed i don't care because yes. that's the and that's the place of anger that he's at where he's just numb. He's just acting. But I mean, not only the place of anger, but I mean, not to go back to the fact that it comes up several times. They are just children. Both mm, the curse yeah. and Junpei are both children who have mm -hmm. difficulty in directing their anger in any type of, you know, functional constructive way, way constructive yeah. way. So it just comes out all at once and it's just zero to a hundred. You know, damn the consequences. <laughs> yeah, kids are cruel, Jack. And Junpei's very in touch with his inner child. I mean, this comes up even in what's going to be the next big moment of this, uh, which is the fight that will inevitably ensue. But like one of the big elements of curse techniques and the reason why Yuji had that whole movie watching endeavor is Jujutsu Kaisen is very much in the camp of anger can be motivating, but uncontrolled anger is always a de facto negative which is something i personally agree with very heavily junpei is very much in the case of he's not thinking he's just the rage right now there there he is mm -hmm. i mean you can see on his face it's no thoughts head empty he's just inflicting pain because that's all he can think to do now yeah what's the what's the demon slayer quote that's really good it's like if anger was enough to propel humans to victory it demons would have been slaughtered ages ago yeah yes Mm -hmm. exactly yeah my favorite quote from our past reading of it <laughs> that's really the cool thing about the whole jujitsu power system is like yeah the more like broken and messed up of a person you are objectively you have more power you have a bigger number than the other guy if you are more messed up as a person but the whole point of like the jujitsu martial arts and you know mastering your curse technique is finding constructive or at least broadly helpful outlet for that negative energy. Mm -hmm. It's coming to terms with trauma. Mm -hmm. Fiction that has a like has a point. They use the unreal elements of it to magnify an element of real life. And sometimes you go through a traumatic experience and you can make yourself better for it. It doesn't happen to everybody and sometimes you know someone gets hurt and they lash out and that's why i say it's so tasteful how you really do get the school shooter vibe from junpei because that case is really where he is right now you also 
feel why he's doing this. Mm -hmm. You understand yeah. it. Sometimes you just get so mad you summon a giant jellyfish. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I, I hate it when that happens. Hashtag Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know though there is also the factor of um in fiction sometimes and i mean like you know it happens in reality too fiction will usually at least the percentage is higher in fiction where someone can come in and save the day when it gets this bad because we have uh yuji arriving to hear someone that junpei trusts saying that you're not being yourself right now and uh tries to talk him down because uh yuji interacts at the very end and because it, it's also really good in what the jujitsu sorcerer's entire plan for today was to watch him because clearly this kid they were already suspecting for some stuff just went through a horrible tragedy due to a sakuna finger like in their house mm -hmm. this is now public enemy number one we're going to be investigating this and when a veil is placed over the high school they're like okay we're going in there is also an element of that sort of echoes the the more real world aspects of uh junpei's story where the the powers that be were going to observe and let happen what happens which means that they were out of position whereas yuji who was told not to go in recognized the red flags and went there immediately so he he basically got in under the curtain Yuji runs in immediately. There's something to be said about it's one of those ones that's a fraught issue and, and uh, fiction can sometimes break down when uh, that gets forgotten. But there's something to be said about if you see someone spiraling downward and you have the capacity to uh, reach out to them, it's often a good idea to do so because there are so many cases if someone was just there for Junpei, like he was so happy when Yuji was just, you know, being a normal person in his presence mm -hmm. and his mom. But, but yeah, uh, we, we, we proceed but, uh, into Shonen fight because again junpei is uh in the supernatural version of this situation considering how serious it is i wanted to be careful with my words so. and, and perfectly reasonable so uh shonen fight's happening um, shonen fight's happening uh yuji doesn't really have his heart in it uh junpei kind of also doesn't either he's just lashing out at the person that's in his way i mean he definitely doesn't want to fight yuji he mm -hmm. says so many times yeah it's also still kind of lashing out at him like you don't understand people don't have hearts no only cursed spirits have hearts wait what <laughs> no no i'm pretty sure the people do have heart. And, and it's like it reaches the point where it seems like the power of friendship is going to break through to uh junpei and then mahito walks down the staircase uh and ruins everything one thing i really love about mahito is how he just has like, like a meta sense of ah yes a shonen cliche is coming too bad Mm -hmm. and just snaps that the situation yeah junpei mm -hmm. is very similar to uh garo from one punch man where he doesn't have plot armor he could become a new member of the jujutsu high you know sorcery teenage protagonist squad like you know this could be a recruitment arc for a recurring character or he could just die and, and then he does he he gets to the point where he's basically already recruited and that's when that asshole shows up and ruins it it's like my heroes it's like yuji's like no come on i know your mom's dead we can find who did this join the academy we all have people who are a little messed up we're getting through it together and that like junpei's like oh wait i can just switch high schools that was always allowed i i mean yeah dude that was always allowed Oh, wow, that really puts my problems into perspective. Oh, no, I'm being Cronenberged. <laughs> yeah, Mojito just shows up, claps him on the shoulder, says, all right, you've served your purpose. I've got Sakuna's vessel here. Go get him, champ. And warps Junpei into a monster who, sobbing 
and in agony dies in Yuji's arms. Yeah, and I I think at some point in the like little interstitial bits where Mahito's in his like vacation timeshare with the other demons, uh, talking about why they're doing this, is their entire plan is psychologically messing with Yuji to the point that he feels the need to give in to Sukuna's power mm-hmm. and make a binding vow, which is hilarious. Because they don't realize <laughs> he did that two arcs ago. Mm-hmm. And and it is funny because in a sense, their plan worked. Yuji yells for Sukuna, heal him, use a reverse curse technique. I know you can do it. And Sukuna's mouth appears on his cheek and goes, lol, lamau. Nah, uh, I'd rather watch you suffer. Mm-hmm. And Mahito and him both laugh at him. And I just love that panel so much mm-hmm. because I'm like, yeah, dude, he's not going to help you. Why do you think he's going to help you? You have no power in this relationship. Like this actually like plays into a lot of other uh, factors that uh, came up last time is that Yuji thinks he does have a bargaining chip and he says, I'll make a binding vow with you. And, you know, Sukuna still says, lol, no. Mahito's perspective is, oh, I guess he couldn't have reverse curse techniqued him. Whereas we get a thought bubble from uh, Sukuna himself uh, thinking, ah, yes, as I had intended, he doesn't remember the binding vow we made. Because part of the binding vow was that Yuji would forget that that had ever happened. I, mm-hmm. I just love the two villain teams are not working together and constantly the the like trio of super curses is behind the mastermind and mm-hmm. they think they're the one using him is hilarious. Oh, it's so funny. Yuji decides, fine, I'll do it myself and enters full on rage mode and he gets into a fist fight with Mahito. And Mahito's like, well, lol, dumbass, I can just reshape your soul. And he goes to do his soul reshaping technique and accidentally brushes Sukuna's soul. And Sukuna immediately whirls on him and goes, you ant, how dare you, and slaps him. If you do that again, I'm not holding back. The literal line from the manga is, know your place, at which point uh, Mahito goes flying through a wall. You and I had a good laugh at this runt that I'm inhabiting right now, and I'm going to let you live for that. But if you do that again, you're suffering for it. And Mahito's like, yeah, okay, chief. (laughs) How come Yuji can hurt me? Wait, is it because he has a secondary soul in him? He intuitively understands the shape of the soul and can punch mine? Oh, no, he hard counters me. I'm kind of playing up Mahito's fear here right now. He's not actually afraid. He loves this. Like, yeah, he's happy that he gets a real challenge. Mm-hmm. My mortal enemy. A- oh, the amount they just start yelling mortal enemy and nemesis at each other in this fight is great. Yuji <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> probably doesn't intellectually understand how souls work in his universe, but he certainly has a like intuition for it. Mahito assumes that it's because of Sukuna and, you know, we have no reason to think otherwise. You know, I I wouldn't be shocked if there's something about Yuji in particular that's different from Sukuna, but, you know, that's to be later discovered or not. One of the other things is Mahito, uh, a mistake he kept making and it was very hard for him to correct for was he kept changing his shape to deal with the physical punches that Yuji was throwing and then Divergent Fist was slapping whatever shape he had morphed himself into because 
because it was delayed. And mm -hmm. um, Yuji, he can't get it to happen simultaneously, which will come up later. But he is he does have some control over how quickly, uh, you know, how much of a divergence there is. So like he's he's intentionally having his his attacks be out of step. This combined with the technique he gets later. One of the cool things is I could totally see a character with some kind of like infinitely powerful against one hit barrier and Yuji specifically uses Divergent Fist uh, to get around that. Like there's so many ways you can use that in interacting with um, other power sets. Just a whole lot of fun. And this is just one really good example of that. But basically, uh, the two of them have been fighting long enough that eventually uh, Nanami can make his way into the school and they start double teaming Mahito, which at this point, Nanami has realized that his attack, he's hard countered by Mahito and Mahito is hard countered by Yuji. And together, what they're working for is um, Nanami will open, create an opening for Yuji to get in and get a strike in. And Mahito is just like, okay, I realize what's going on. I'm going to vomit up some human puppets because I think Yuji's still a little baby boy who's going to be afraid about killing people. So go take care of that, and I'm going to handle Nanami. And Yuji goes after these people and kind of is, like, hard countered by his own, like, at this point, he's been struggling with this the entire time, is he's still going off the thing he said in the first arc, which is, I want people to have a natural death. And he is hard coming to terms with the fact that is not possible in this situation. Killing these people is the most merciful thing he can do. It's the only humane option that he has. Mahito bets this entire fight on Yuji will not be capable of doing this and basically starts gloating about it to Nanami. And Nanami's just like, you idiot. No, that's not going to stall him as long as you think. I think he's going to make a decision and that's going to cement his anger. And he can probably kill you with the power boost that's going to give him. And Mahito's just like, lol, what? And then Yuji jumps off a roof and punches him. <laughs> whilst, whilst the two of them are having this conversation, Yuji has already had his character development off panel. You know, oh, yeah. Like normally, normally that's an insult, but in this case, it was a really, really good scene. Oh no, that's the thing that I actually really love about the Jujutsu Kaisen power system is that, again, because it's an entirely emotion-based power system, the hardening of resolve to difficult truths is power. And so uh, it allows uh, Yuji and Nanami to kick the absolute crap out of uh, Mahito bring him to the brink of death and this is my other favorite thing in this reading well at least one of them uh we'll get to my favorite character later on but um <laughs> uh this is one of my favorite things in this particular reading because uh mahito approaches death and remember that he he is born of humanity's hatred of humanity, so he is the most human-cursed spirit we've seen so far. The one true universal human experience is that each and every last one of us will eventually die. It's the only thing that we all have in common. It, or at least that's the thing that Mahito seems to believe. Because upon approaching the brink of death, he understands himself to such an extent it completes his domain expansion. We also get a a bit of a reframing of domain expansion that funnily enough ends up answering a lot of the concerns we had had about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's uh, Mahito or a later villain who goes into detail, but I know it's briefly touched on in both cases. 
because when it was uh, Gojo versus the volcano guy, who I think is Jogo, funnily yeah. enough. I remember um, complaining about it last episode. <laughs> when they were talking about domain expansion, we had that we had a little laugh at uh, Jujutsu Kaisen's expense of um, huh, how do you counter this attack? Be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Deal with it. The way that domain is, expansion is, is framed in this uh, section of the reading is a little bit more reasonable because it's treated like they explicitly refer to it as a finishing move. It is so exhausting that under basically any given circumstance, you don't use it unless you're using it to clinch a fight. The thing I analogized to it the way that they were talking about it was, I believe it's Soul Calibur that has certain cinematic supers that you can only activate if they finish the opponent off. Mm -hmm. I sort of analogize it to like that where... What a domain expansion should be is this is the cinematic super that finishes the opponent in the fighting game. You're not really supposed to be fighting against it. This is an expression of power of an already won fight. It's like an ambush predator at that point. Like the second you're in the spider's web, you're dead. Mm-hmm. It, yep. it is keeping you in place so you can no longer dodge and you are being hit by all of their attacks. That is the point of a domain expansion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the <laughs> the self-embodiment of perfection, the hand dimension. Horikoshi, eat your heart out. <laughs> it is made of hands. Yep. <laughs> and Yuji is stuck on the outside of it. Nanami kind of accepts his death. And this is where we get the flashback explaining his backstory. But uh, Yuji is stuck on the outside, pounding against the barrier. And he breaks through because domain expansion is ultimately meant to keep things in, not out. And Yuji was not included in it because they want him to survive to empower Sukuna. Not to mention the fact that if uh, Mahito knows, if I attack Sukuna, he's going to kill me. Well, mm-hmm. here's it's even worse than attack Sukuna because in the domain expansion, one of the triggers is the person whose domain expansion is for the purpose of their curse techniques they are always touching who is ever within their domain mm-hmm. and sukuna said if you touch my soul one more time i am going to kill you so uh he can't not touch his soul yep <laughs> and so when yuji breaks into the domain it and like yuji doesn't know that this is the case but when he breaks in it causes mahito to touch sukuna's soul and sukuna instantly goes i thought i told you and slaps all the taste right out of his mouth it's a cut through the top of his shoulder that looks like it drains all the blood from his body like mm-hmm. we get that high blood pressure looked at yep and it immediately shatters the domain not even yuji knows what happened because that was so fast he didn't register the fact that sukuna took over for an instant nanami doesn't either the only one who really understands what happened is mahito because you know he got slapped Mm -hmm. so he's like okay i'm leaving now and he doesn't he doesn't uh he pulls a cell and swells up like he's about to explode but it was just a mimic and he slinks away into the sewers and escapes i love the fact that um that mimic is punched and it's like wait it was just full of air Dang it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that ends the uh, this particular arc with the villain escaping. And Yuji is the angriest he has ever been. It's when um, Nanami and Yuji square off before the domain expansion sequence. 
is uh, the point where we get the strongest case of uh, Jujutsu Kaisen diegetically uh, and eloquently explaining its metaphor of um, Nanami says to Yuji, I know you're angry. Good. But you have to control it because if you don't control it, then all you're going to do is get yourself killed, get in my way and get me killed and then nothing good happens of it. Mm-hmm. So get a hold of yourself. And that's when they, you know. I, I think one of my favorite bits about this arc is the little wrap up scene we get where um, one of Junpei's classmates after all of that, uh, it's a girl, um, submits a like formal complaint about the bullying she witnessed mm-hmm. and submits it to the authorities. And what happens is the teacher is punished and the bully is punished and there was like a kind of it's closure, but it's also kind of like a oh, no kind of closure, because like Junpei, did did you even try telling anyone this was happening? Because mm. it looks like this worked or did yeah. you just suffer in silence? That's it something just, that happens to a lot of people. It's it's really sad. It piles on the bitterness. And uh, I think to on- honestly, the thing for that scene that I felt was the most real and the biggest element of it being bittersweet is uh, Shoto, the rich bully. We don't get in detail everything that happened. We know that uh, Shoto got punished. We know that the teacher got punished, but we don't know all the details. And at the very least, you know, what we do see is that Shoto's in detention and he's bitching. That this is so stupid. My arm got f***ed up and uh, that's so much worse than what I did. And what about you? He goes to the teacher. You didn't do anything. Why are you sitting there judging me like this? And the teacher realizing that like at once there was so much he, he could have done. And at the same time, there was nothing he could have done. Just looks this, you know, angsty, zero perspective teenager in the face and says... I am being punished. The way he phrases it, it's not just whatever institutional punishment it is. He recognizes he's going to be living with that for the rest of his life. And that that just hurts. Because mm-hmm. like you, and- you can tell he's not a bad guy. Like he, he might not be a good teacher, but he's definitely not a bad guy. He wasn't paying attention at the wrong moment. Yeah, is really, honestly, because like his greatest evil was incompetence. Because, like, I, I can't even imagine he's that bad of a guy because what he did was he went to go check to see if Junpei was OK. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate part was he got upset at Junpei because he didn't react how he expected him to. But mm-hmm. that's not like a sign that he's a bad person. That's a sign of something else. Like that's a Yeah, that's that's ships passing in the night. And that's what that's what hurts about it so much. The thing that really got me is uh, what Shoto says is Junpei just moved to a different school anyway. He doesn't expressly say it like this, but he says it in an out-of-sight, out-of-mind kind of way. They don't even know he's dead. Mm. That is an irony so potent. It's it's hard to fathom. And you really understand, you know, Yuji's anger and frustration going into the next arc, (laughs) where we get some pretty explosive growth from our boy, at least in terms of power. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the yeah, next we, arc is uh, probably mercifully a little lighter. Uh, yeah, I was, I, that's oh, yeah. exactly what I was going to say. We had a serious arc that actually it it very deftly and very skillfully handles a an absolutely real world 
serious thing that hurts people in real life and handles it in a, a really good and tasteful way. It's harrowing. It ends in the perfect bittersweet way that a series like this should, you know, like it doesn't give you the happy ending where uh, Junpei gets recruited because sometimes, you know, real life doesn't always have a happy ending and it's, mm. it's so beautifully tragic for it. And then we get some wacky shonen nonsense where most of the where most of the things that happen are played for comedy, and I'm okay with that. And, and then we get basically the tuning exams, but lighter hearted. Somebody's saying something. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love how this opens, where Yuji finally talks to Gojo for like the first time in his little training bit, and Gojo's just like, "Hey, Yuji, this will be so funny." What if we tell your friends that you're alive? I'll put you in a box. It'll be so cool. You'll pop out like a stripper in a cake. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> this is like, they all think I'm such a cool teacher, right? And they the, psych themselves up for this so the, much. The best, part, the best part is Gojo's literal plan. I remember this very distinctly. Gojo's literal plan is we will put you in a box. We will open the box to reveal that you've been alive uh all along everyone will be laughing and crying with so much joy that someone might throw up and then global warming will be solved literally what he says i love how yuji even's like wow that's amazing like he bought the entire thing and i'm like yuji stop listening to gojo i don't think he's very smart i think he's very skilled but i don't think that's <laughs> Go gojo just has such an overwhelming self-confidence that his, his curse technique is literally self-confidence so mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man wouldn't that be it wouldn't that be a twist uh the the source of gojo's power is toxic positivity and he ends up being the final boss i'm i mean it is toxic positivity but final boss i'm not sure about <laughs> i mean I, it's just you know random I, thought i just had is it really that toxic if it only hurts everyone around you and only benefits you wait no that's the <laughs> definition of toxic <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, my favorite part of this is the uh, Yuji's Been Alive surprise. They reveal, and there's a full panel of his friends and Panda all just blank staring with a kind of, it's such a subtle emotion. I love it because it's like, what am I looking at? And a momentary, like, slight disgust to it. Because these are people slowly realizing our friend faked his death for two months. Like an insane amount of time to pretend to be dead. There is such a look of, are you serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're not, they're, they are not happy. They're so mad. And who's to tell us this? Like, the hour before <laughs> the event we've been practicing for happens. <laughs> and, and next chapter, they force Yuji to hold up a a like picture frame that's used for dead people yeah, <laughs> over his face and he's like barely departed thing oh. panda's over in the corner like isn't that a bit excessive he was told not to tell anybody wait a minute that panda can talk <laughs> shut up yuji you're dead okay i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I love how his two friends are the ones who are not letting him off the hook for this. They're like, no, what you did was not OK. Um, <laughs> Our heroes uh, make their plan. Uh, the uh, enemies, the enemy team from uh, Kyoto Jujutsu High make their plan, which involves explicit orders from their teacher to murder the hell out of Yuji. 
Yeah, Not just the, their uh, teacher, also oh, their the, principal, the, their principal, their teacher, and their principal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tokyo students uh, make their plan to succeed in the competition. The uh, Kyoto students make their plan to murder one of their opponents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With I extreme love, prejudice. I love how much time they do they spend setting up what the game is going to be that they're playing. But the Tokyo people are the only ones who actually acknowledge those rules, which I love how that culminates at the end. And they're the ones who got all the points because they were the only people playing the game. So the plan ends up becoming playing around your boy, the man, best character, Aoi Toda. Yeah, because um, I guess we should summarize this at the beginning and then go into the individual fights because... Otherwise, it's going to be very um, back and forth. It's a uh, procession of a lot of individual fights. What what happens is the Kyoto team decides, well, why don't we all just gang rush Yuji at once? And they're like, no, we can't do that because uh, Toge, I think, is the cursed speech user. Mm -hmm. And they're like, the problem with fighting him is he can take out a crowd of people just as easily as he can take out one. So what we need to do is split them up into single file and then just send our strongest fighter to fight Yuji. And Toda's just like, you heard my name? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and uh, the, the part that I like is Toda is not about this uh, whole murdering uh, Yuji idea uh, he, to the point where he kicks out a wall and turns to the principal and says, someone who hesitates when saying what kind of girl they like. You think you honestly are cool enough to order me around? If you try that again, I'll kill you. And he leaves. Like, this man is a champion. <laughs> uh, the perspective that Toda takes is, I am going to go at Yuji without holding back, as in, you know, I won't pull my punches. If I kill him, I kill him. But then, you know, he, you know, isn't worthy of being here or, you know, mm. something to that effect. But he's not coming at with, like, killing intent. He's just not pulling his punches. Whereas... Also one of the one of his classmates is I would have tried to kill him even if my principal didn't explicitly tell me to. Also, Toda has motivation to end this tournament as quickly as possible because um, the idol he is in love with will be performing on a TV show. Mm -hmm. And he's if someone's like, wait, can't you just record you it just if record it's on it. a TV? I'm going to go there live and also watch it when it's broadcast. Do you think <laughs> I'm some kind of idiot? Aoi so Toda is no casual. <laughs> <laughs> so the tournament starts uh the basic idea is uh that cursed spirits have been released into the woods and the first team to kill the high level spirit is the winner and if nobody kills the high level spirit then whoever killed the most low level spirits is the winner our protag team from tokyo go into the forest and begin their adventure at which point tota breaks through a tree <laughs> and says all of you fight me at once all right just as we planned yuji get his ass and everyone else runs <laughs> oh, they basically both sides had the same plan for completely different reasons because <laughs> because the um because so like the the other factor is when they're told the rules it's like you can interfere with the other team and you can even you know disable them and knock them out just don't do anything permanent but again you know the kyoto school doesn't think the rules apply to them because again their their stated goal is not to win the competition it's to kill yuji mm -hmm. i there there is some there is some level of uh whilst they do go into the motivations a little bit more at the end of this there is, uh, to a large extent, the impression that you get that the principal of the Kyoto school is a very 
petty and vindictive individual because I have a feeling he'd be a lot less uh, enthused about uh, going through with this if it weren't for the fact that Gojo has consistently uh, spat in his eye. Uh, you know, flipped in the bird in every sense in so many uh, different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, from a meta point of view, what ends up happening is the rest of this arc is divided into essentially one-on-one fights with a few exceptions, which yeah, uh, actually a- do a pretty good job of taking place sequentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The greatest bro moment of all time as uh, Yuji and Toda are in the middle of their fight. And Toda turns to Eugene says, all right, newbie, I've got a very important question for you. What kind of girls do you like? And Yuji thinks about it for a second and says, I like tall girls with big butts like Jennifer Lawrence. And Toda, who is of the exact same caliber, he knows the way. He raises (laughs) his head to the sky Tears pouring from his eyes, and a a new memory is implanted in his mind of an event that did not happen, of he he and Yuji having childhood bonding together. (laughs) It's a flashback to their junior high days they didn't have. (laughs) Like the narrator Fox specifically says, he now fantasizes about a history that they never had. Yuji... You are my brother, and I will make sure that you are strong. I think this is one of the only fights that actually gets cut away from, too, because it really helps build the next time we see this fight. They're calling each other brother and best friend. (laughs) Yuji, my best friend. Yes, Toda, my brother. (laughs) It's pretty great. And... It is the single greatest thing I've ever read in a manga. (laughs) You just got to know if you're into tall girls with big butts like Jennifer Lawrence, you've got a bro for life. (laughs) I'm glad to know that I have a spiritual brother out there. (laughs) I mean, too. (laughs) Oh, my God. But um, before this can get too deep, we have to have uh, a fight between a panda and a robot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love when Mechamaru gets introduced. Everyone's like, that's ju- that's just a robot on their team. <laughs> but no, he's he's actually a, a remote droid being controlled by a person looking like uh, he looks really he looks like a severe burn victim mm-hmm. because essentially what he says is his skin is too weak that even moonlight burns it. Mm-hmm. So um, he, I, I forget if it gets has, mentioned. He only has a left arm. Uh, the rest of his limbs are missing and he has no feeling like below his waist. Mm-hmm. He, he looks I, like a weird mix of like all for one and the villain from Inspector Gadget. Yeah, <laughs> I, I forget if it's mentioned in this part of the reading or not, but he's like in a bath full of like medical ointments mm-hmm. and like he's got like. Uh, tubes giving him like um, needed medicine and stuff and he's like I am remote piloting this um, cursed doll so he's like a puppeteer and when he finds out that Panda is not a doll but Panda is a uh, what do they call him cursed objects a cursed corpse he's just like oh so you're not even a real person (laughs) and Panda's just like wait (laughs) Panda's like no no I am a real person I am specifically the magnum opus of the greatest cursed corpse creator of all time which is why I am a person I know it's weird but I just live with it 
I'm going to be honest, if we're really doing like a one for one comparison, I'm technically three times the person you are. Um, <laughs> most cur cursed corpses have a single core to them that powers them. And if you destroy that, you destroy the, the object. Panda has three, his older brother and his younger sister. I love how they get away with revealing what his younger sister is, too. It's like, yeah, she got knocked out early in the fight. Mm -hmm. because yeah. he wasn't aware that Mechamaru can like sense where his cores were and was like instantly getting one shot. So when he dodged that first attack, what had happened was Mechamaru had targeted the wrong core and just knocked his sister out. There's like the initial like, OK, we're fighting now. And they exchange some blows. And then uh, Mechamaru almost immediately pulls out the uh, the finishing move. <laughs> the Omni gun, the ultimate cannon. And uh, has to tank it because... Uh, Otherwise, it would rip Kusika, uh, Kugisaki apart. Because <laughs> they were nearby each other, and uh, he tanks in it. It's like, wow, Panda is so strong. And then, you know, later they uh, they reveal, yeah, I'm actually three people. Here's my gorilla form. Uh, gorilla form is so good at close quarters combat, and it's also <laughs> better at uh, using their cursed energy. And it's just a really cool fight of a back and forth between a robot and a panda, which I guess you weren't expecting when you picked up Jujutsu Kaisen, but here we are. <laughs> but um, my favorite bit is uh, Panda at one point, uh, while going through their memories of how they're like a created organism, they're talking because uh, Mechamaru is very upset about the fact, and uh, I forget if Mechamaru brings this up or if Panda asks, like, if you had one wish, what would it be? And Mechamaru, like, does not answer, but you see from his perspective, it's him in a normal body walking away from, like, everything he's in. It's an incredibly poignant visual image mm -hmm. because it only comes after a series of flashbacks of, like, his POV with the other Kyoto students mm -hmm. sharing, like, various cutesy slice-of-life moments. Yeah, and it's just like, hey, I want to actually come along with you guys. Mm-hmm. I think he outright says to Panda that if he could uh, walk away from this life, he would. But because of the condition he's in, he can't. He he would give up all of his powers if it meant he could have a functioning body. Mm. Because mm -hmm. um, he mentions he's got like the reason he's like this is because he was born with a curse on him that ate up like so much of his body to give him this power. The heavenly restriction, which we find out there is an opposite version of this where you lose any ability to like interact with cursed energy at the upside of having uh, significantly stronger physical attributes. And I'm like, wait a second, Yuji. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that gets attributed to a character who is not named Yuji. But yeah, the other uh, the thing I like about that exchange is that uh, Panda's immediate reaction to that is. Man, that's a real rough story. I'll help you out at any time, but I'm definitely not going to let you kill my friend, and the pain you're going through is not justifying you trying so, and then he proceeds to beat up Mechamaru. <laughs> oh, Panda has one of my favorite lines in this entire reading, which is, I can tell you've been through a lot, but just because someone's been through a lot doesn't mean they're right. That single sentence deconstructed so many villains, not just in shonen, but in all of fiction. That's just a level of reality check nobody was ready for, let alone Mechamaru. The thing that I I like the most about that is he's coming from a place of empathy when he's saying, because like that's, that like, that can feel so dismissive in certain contexts, but you know, what Panda's basically saying is, okay, then I'll help you fix your problem. 
mm-hmm. Mekamaru's perspective is it's impossible for me to be better. So I'm just going to, you know, charge headlong in, in this direction I've been going in. And Panda, it you know, is like, we're magic. I'm not a person. I'm a talking <laughs> panda. <laughs> the impossible is very possible and I will help you out. So please stop trying to kill my friend, Punch. Yep. Uh then our next fight is something the wiki tells me is a fight, but uh <laughs> Oh, I I love this so much because go back and listen to our first episode on this dear listeners if you need a refresher, but uh Jake and I accidentally kind of read the prequel <laughs> chapters of the manga. So we are Wait. The way it's set up on the Shonen Jump site, it implies that you're supposed to read that first, and we learned that no, you're not. <laughs> I think you're supposed to read it after this arc. Yeah, where... you really are. But like, at the same time, this gave me a con- a context I was happy to have because um, it is uh, your girl Maki versus uh, Miwa of the uh, Kyoto School. It's like, oh, so two uh, weapon users. Okay, this seems balanced. Like, sure, Maki can't actually, like, use cursed energy. All she can do is swing around cursed weapons. But, you know, she should be able to, like, go toe-to-toe. It'll be a little interesting. And Maki clowns on Miwa so thoroughly. Yeah. I have never seen a person in a shonen tournament deconstructed this severely before. Well, to the point cause... where to the point where Miwa introduces herself as Miwa the useless for the rest of our reading. Because what here's the thing, like if you haven't read the prequels, you walk into this only knowing the stats that are constantly said of what different grades there are and um Maki's the lowest, she's grade 4. Yeah. She's like a full grade lower than everyone else and you're like, "Oh, well, she's probably weak and you're like nope mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some it, political it, nonsense going on uh because they they talk about the fact that like despite the fact that she can't use cursed energy herself she does have powers because this is where we get the uh uh maki is the one that's attributed with the uh superhuman abilities but no cursed energy uh thing she, which i mean to be fair to be fair they do and this was not just in the prequel chapters this was in the first reading section when they were introducing maki they do explain she can't even see cursed spirits without those glasses because mm-hmm. those are that's a cursed tool as well so that does somewhat separate her from yuji but uh because he could see the cursed spirits even before he ate the sakuna finger mm-hmm. but yeah maki is very much the rock lee of this manga and yeah who boy does she hit all of the notes that make Rockley the best character in Naruto. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they they set it up like uh, Maki is going to be a weak character with a gimmick, and no, she's just a really really strong character with no gimmick. She's just strong. Yep. So she clowns the hell out of Miwa, and we move on to the next fight, which is uh, Kugisaki versus uh, Momo Nishimiya, the and- witch. The witch. Yeah, no, she is uh she is small, she ride on broom, she witch. She I think she had a witch hat that gets knocked off. <laughs> At some point. She's using the fact that she can fly to stay out of the way of uh Kukisaki's hammer and nails, which, you know, fair. In a lot of ways, this fight ends up boiling down to a similar situation as as uh Panda versus Mekamaru. Because uh, the witch girl being like, do you understand how hard it is for Mei Zenin, Maki's sister? She has to be perfect all the time because uh, the uh, the world isn't, uh, is particularly unkind unless women are perfect. 
Yeah, don't and, get me started on the witch girl mansplaining what it's like to be a female jujitsu sorcerer to Nobara. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then yeah. and then Nobara's immediate response is, "Yeah, cool. I deal. I deal with that too. You deal with that too. I don't care." Well, she it's, specifically says like that. Just sounds so. I don't know the exact verbiage she uses, but I mean, she's exactly like it. Just sounds like so constraining and so boring. Mm-hmm. Well, because, yeah, what, essentially the witch, um, it's Momo, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, yes. Momo. Yeah, she's like, she hits her in the face and she's like, oh, hope that didn't scar. Because if you have a scar, if you were a guy, that means you're going to be super cool and will get hired forever. But if you're a woman with a scar, that means they think you're incompetent. And then Nabara at the end of this, after she goes on her literal rant, <laughs> just mm-hmm. goes, no, I, I think I'm just cool being stronger than you, which it looks like I am. So, um, <laughs> Nobara is so cool in this because she says, uh, all right, yeah, don't care, didn't ask, plus L, plus ratio, plus I disabled your broom with my voodoo doll magic. Shut the hell up and die. I mean, you can be dead with a pretty face, too. So, I mean... <laughs> it's it's very much the same sentiment that that panda had but a lot less nice because uh it's nobara Nobara Nobara. is not yeah nobara is not the type of person to spare your feelings i like being pretty and i like being strong i'm nobara kugisaki slams her in the face with a a a squeaky hammer admittedly because she doesn't want to actually kill her momentary thing was like don't hit her in the face with the metal hammer that will kill her I've got a squeaky squeaky, mallet. Use the squeaky hammer. And then Nobara is immediately shot by a gun. And then I'm like, who gave these children? Oh, yeah. It is a rubber bullet. It's okay. I'm just just like, who gave these children guns? It still hits her in the temple. Rubber bullets can still be lethal. (laughs) I mean, yes, they can, but... I mean, to to be fair, the one of the main elements of uh, what had been established in the uh, um, in our previous reading was that uh, Mezenin is the one who was responsible for that, and one of her core power sets is that she can make bullets less lethal. So it's her Hello, using a rubber Hinawa. bullet. Yeah, that's Hinawa's power. I don't think that's hers. <laughs> No, she did say that that was in her power yeah, uh, set because I remember us making jokes about how her power is to make guns weaker. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's equally dumb. Then I'm going to be equal opportunity in how much I think controlling the strength of bullets with your magic system is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I just I just remember that distinctly. But it's like but we get an amazing fight of a katana versus a gun. Uh huh. And Maki wins. Because she's Maki. And yeah, they they frame it from May's perspective. Maki is deflecting the uh, the bullets with the katana that she took from uh, her previous opponent, uh, Miwa. She's not deflecting. She's cutting bullets in half. Maki is counting out the the number of shots and May is like, she's going through her backstory and uh, uh, the culmination of the fight end of it is that one of her curse techniques is that she can manifest uh, objects. But it's a very, like, labor-intensive curse technique, so she can only summon small things, like a single bullet. That's why I use a six-shooter, so that they count, did I fire five shots, or just six? Do you, you think feel you're lucky, lucky punk? punk? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thrill of reloading in the middle of a battle. 
12 shots. Meanwhile, they're having their backstory flashbacks that I I can't tell if they're both remembering it or if they're talking about it to each other. But either way, there is the flashbacks mm. of them both as twins because their family is gross and doesn't like them because they mm -hmm. don't have magic powers and they're girls, so they can't be the heir. May's issue was that she had to be the heir because she could use the like like this is this is very much a like twins are a bad omen mm -hmm. situation because May was going to be the heir, but May didn't want to be the heir. Maki did, but because Maki got superhuman strength instead of curse powers, she got ignored. Well, neither mm -hmm. neither of them are the heir is the problem because they're both servants to the current leader, and the heir is actually the other guy in oh, the next the other... fight. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. that. Okay. Yeah, I, I I will admit these backstories did have a bit of like world building lore dump feel to me because I'm like, okay, there are three set families of jujitsu sorcerers, and there's a whole bunch of politics with them. I'm sure you're setting up something for later. This is a lot right mm -hmm. now, but okay. Yeah, yeah, I, but... I I drowned in that a little bit, I guess. Yeah, it, I was just going to say, if you put it into terms of Naruto and you remember the uh, Hinata's family, it's, it's <laughs> oh, similar God. to that. They have different. What? Oh, God, you're <laughs> right. This is literally the Hyuga clan political yes. bolt. This is yes. the tuning exam. <laughs> yes. There we go. Jujutsu Kaisen is a stealth reboot of Naruto. See, I was going to say uh, to get my one exalted reference in um, Maki is the leftover twin of these two being uh, dragon blooded, basically. But <laughs> yeah, it also gets fuel also adds fuel to the fire that essentially because you're twins, you're supposed to be like together forever and ever mm. and ever and ever. And you're not separate people. So that also comes into conflict. There are a great many superstitions, both positive and negative, about twins, and mm -hmm. they got slammed with all the worst of them. Mm -hmm. So, oh. yeah. And this is also East and West. There's like a whole lot of superstitions mm -hmm. around twins that are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I will say my favorite bit in this during this flashback is um, Mai can see the cursed spirits. Maki cannot. And... With the power of that ignorance, Maki is able to just barrel forward without hesitation. And this is displayed in a scene of them both being kids walking around the grounds of their family estate. Mai freezes up because she sees a cursed spirit and Maki's like, what is it? There's something there. <sighs> then just close your eyes. What? Just close your eyes. Take my hand and come on. If you can't see it, you can go past it. My... Re respected and admired that forthrightness, that bullheadedness that just let her barrel through any problem, ignoring the problem to make it go away or just being too stubborn to let the problem bother her. I think that's what I really like about that flashback, though, because it's mm -hmm. not as simple as she respected it because she holds a lot of resentment to her twin. Mm -hmm. because oh, yeah. She respected it. She also hates that she doesn't have that strength of will. Because well, they're all, constantly they're they were constantly compared. Well, I mean, also, you were the faulty twin. This is the not as excellent, but still better than you twin. And well, more so, it's that um, Maki is like she has everything to prove and has been fighting so hard to prove herself in spite of her disadvantage. Whereas my was perfectly content with how she was born in life. She didn't want to strive for anything because she knew not a lot was expected from her. Mm -hmm. But because Maki's striving so much, it puts more pressure on her. And that builds the resentment of look at what your twin who was born without powers is doing. And that's right. why she's got the like, I hate you attitude. That's 
that's like I love how they both look back on that same memory with different feelings. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's just more uh, proof that Akutami Sensei is great at character writing. And uh, that is the conclusion of this fight as Maki, despite being at an objective disadvantage, defeats Mai. Uh, I think the last bullet uh, breaks the sword, but then... Uh... Or no, that doesn't happen yet. The last, bu uh, the seventh bullet in the six shooter is fired because Mai's ability is to uh, basically fabricate things from whole cloth out of cursed energy. So she fires the seventh bullet, which no one expects out of a six shooter, and Maki just grabs it. Yeah, she catches it with her bare hand. I knew, I knew she did something absurd. And then it's that's when it's revealed in full that she has the super strength. Mm hmm. It was hinted at before, but that's when it gets like, hey, this is how that just happened kind of deal. So even your best couldn't defeat me. Well, enjoy sitting there being useless, little sister. Yep. And then uh, Megumi has a fight. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> Yep. Megumi fights uh, Kamo. And I will say I really like Kamo's power just because I am a simp for I, I am a sucker a, a simp and a sucker for both archers and blood based powers. So, uh, hey, guess what my favorite FromSoft game is? And uh, Elden Ring doesn't count. <laughs> Kamo has the ability to perfectly manipulate his own blood. And that includes anything his own blood is splattered upon. So he can mark the fletching of his arrows with his own blood. And that lets him redirect them like funnels. Fushiguro has a has a pretty good line when he sees what's going on. He's like, I'm not saving you if you drop unconscious from anemia, because at this <laughs> point, the Tokyo team is still trying to win the competition. It's a cool fight. Megumi uh, gets to summon some more um, of his spirits. He's actually recruited a new one to replace the dogs that we are revealed died permanently when they were destroyed. Mm -hmm. But he yeah. did get an elephant that shoots water. Max to elephant. He 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 got a he got a cute pachyderm, and he does have uh one more dog that is also a super dog, which I'm 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 gonna say is uh, it's because the other dog absorbed the power of the first of dog. the first dog, so it True. became a werewolf. <laughs> a truly great sacrifice, but uh, yes, what's done is done. And then yes. um they have a flashback, but it. It's there's not a lot to it from um, Noritoshi. Like he's got like, ah, yes, I am the heir to the family, but I am from a sub family because the main wife could only give birth to those two twins and not a male. So, heir. And yeah. It, so essentially he was a concubine son. Yeah. So not the legal main wife or whatever. But apparently the main wife had children, but they were daughters. Yeah. Well, it was it was the twins. It was the twins. Yeah. So. By, <laughs> By obvious, obvious result of that, he became the new heir. But leading up to that, there was a lot of like rejection leading up to that, because obviously he makes a comment about like, why is his mom being treated so mm -hmm. poorly and everything? And his existence didn't seem to matter until it was convenient for the family. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be honest at this point, I kind of clocked out on the the fa the Zenin family backstory because yeah. I'm like, they, they've the built Zenin it up. Family politics was like when I keyed in because it's just like, oh, this reminds me of so many. The Hugo clan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the more I say it, the more it uh, sounds like it. But it's like at this point, I kind of put it in the part of my brain of like, I'm aware this is happening. Like, clearly I'm talking about it. So I remembered it happening. I'm like, 
If we do a Zenin family arc in the future, I will remember this. As of now, I'm kind of done with this backstory because it's two fights in a row. Uh, yeah. Conveniently, this fight gets interrupted, so... <laughs> This fight gets interrupted by evil trees. Trees are evil. I mean, yes, that's what they've taught me. <laughs> Megumi and Kamo's in the fight for a little bit, and then Maki shows up uh, mm -hmm. midway through. As uh, Hanami, the tree demon we... I keep saying demon, it's cursed spirit, but effectively mm -hmm. the same thing. <laughs> They're functionally demons, yeah. yeah. Oh, did we mention my favorite way that uh, Kyoto character was eliminated yet? No, we can if you want. After Mekamaru was defeated, Panda... You know, he gave his whole thing of, I'll help you out anytime, bro. And he goes to walk away. Oh, by the way, let me borrow your phone. And, you know, that just is forgotten about for a while. Oh, that's until, right. <laughs> that's forgotten about for a while until we see Momo just walking through the woods without her sword. Like, well, I've got nothing now. And her phone rings. She answers it and says, hi, Momo the Useless here. Moshi Moshi. Momo is the witch. Or uh, it's, yeah, or, Miwa. Mima. Miwa, yeah. And she says, hello. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Hello, Miwa the Useless here. Moshi Mosh. And immediate and she just hears sleep as uh <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Uh -huh. God. Ya boy. <laughs> the main man. <laughs> oh, to just... Toge is the real MVP of this Toge's, arc because yes. he is he is set up as the demon everyone is afraid to fight 1v1. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And just appears out of the shadows to win. Yep. He uses his cursed speech by just going through the contacts on, Mekam on Mekamaru's phone and knocking out the various Kyoto kids. Unfortunately, he only gets Anyone Miwa with who picks it. up. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Miwa was the only one who mm -hmm. picked up. He only gets Miwa before uh, Hanami shows up. But Hanami shows up because uh, the pr uh, principal of the Kyoto school, uh, they, they said it was a rank two uh, curse spirit. That was the like main goal of this. But they're like, we really want to kill Yuji. Let's go all the way up to a rank one. Mm -hmm. And we are showed that the they're, they're actually kind of scared if anyone else has to fight the rank one curse spirit, because obviously none of them are rank one. So clearly they're at a disadvantage. Uh, and we get set up that this uh, curse spirit is going to go loose and attack. We get revealed that in a method of controlling it, they uh, they have this like pheromone scent thing or something that they had surreptitiously mm. uh, put on Yuji and that there was a whistle that could be blown to get the cursed spirit to attack whoever had that on them. It's great because um, none of it matters because how we're no. introduced to that spirit is its decapitated head falling to the ground as Hanami is there, the tree cursed spirit. Mm -hmm. And Toga's just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Well, um, yeah, yeah, Toga is uh, engaged in battle, running for his life. Uh, he wanders upon the battle between uh, Megumi and Kamo, and it's like, is that Toga-senpai? Because, again, the whole thing with Toga is uh, he speaks only in um, rice uh, ball. Sushi ingredient. S sushi rice ingredient. No, it's, it's, uh, it's rice ball. Oh, yeah, is it rice ball? Right. Rice, yeah. ball, rice ball ingredients, because his cursed speech power is so great that he has to say he has to speak innocuous things so as not to strain himself or threaten others. And there's a there's a pretty good moment where uh, he says something and I forget. I, I, I guess it would have to be Kamo. Uh, but one of the key yeah, other kids Kamo is like, who's like, you understand what he's saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
And Megami is just like, uh, look, does that matter right now? And I'm sitting here thinking that response and and I'm and I'm sitting there thinking, no, it doesn't, because it was obvious what uh, Mm. what he was saying. He was doing the little telephone sign. Like, no, they don't understand what he means because usually the context is enough. But, but, you know, the whammy panel moment is, you know, we have it very well established that he will not use his cursed speech powers uh, on his allies because of the dangers it poses. He's running along the roof and he yells at them, run away as, uh, Han- as Hanami's big root attack hits. I love it, too, because you can see Megami and Como are both affected by this. And he's like, nope, get out of the way. I am controlling your bodies for right now. Do it. Mm-hmm. They are affected both physically by the cursed uh, technique and emotionally by, wait, he wouldn't do that unless things were really out of hand. Most of what we get here is Hanami tossing the three of them around because uh, the because the event is off now. <laughs> It's Hanami tossing the three of them around in order to make the appearance of our true heroes all the more impactful. <laughs> While also having flashbacks to Mahito when they were hanging out on the beach going like, Hey, Hanami, you seem really reserved and kind of laid back. That's dumb for a cursed spirit. When I was fighting, there's rage and then there's just like battle lust. You should get on this battle lust because mm. once you start enjoying a fight, that like negative enjoyment of something visceral is its own form of cursed energy that powers up cursed spirits as they keep fighting. And Hanami's just like, I don't believe you, but I will remember this for when I, oh, wait, no, yeah, this does feel really good to beat up children. Mm -hmm. I know what All Might (laughs) was on about now. (laughs) As Yuji and Toda appear, and they get drawn into the fight, and uh, this is just more reason why Toda is my favorite character of all time. Because there is a bit where, like, they're squaring off against Hanami, and Toda just walks away, and he says, Yuji, my brother, I have to know that you are strong enough to face the road ahead. You will perform the Black Flash, and until you do, I will stand aside, even if it would cost you your life. I understand, brother. (laughs) I love love the bromance they have going on. It's great. I love all the dialogue between uh, Toda and Yuji in this arc. It's so good. It's so great. So the Black Flash, we learn, is um, something that happens when a cursed energy user strikes an opponent and frame perfect times their cursed energy to strike within one trillionth of a second. Yeah, what's, the, it, what's the frame rate of real life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is and, literally like a fighting game glitch creates this like... Facial tear. I mean, I believe it at this point. Same, honestly, after what we learned about what Gojo could do. But uh, it causes this spatial tear and cursed energy to flash with black light. And so Yuji goes in and after getting slapped around by uh, Toto a little bit, performs this masterful technique. And this is how you will grow, my brother. Now you have an even deeper understanding of the essence of cursed energy. You are a master chef who knows every aspect of his ingredient. So, as they both Jojo pose, let us cook! 
Oh. <laughs> my my favorite part is shortly after this, they cut to for some reason a documentary style filming technique in the panel. <laughs> yeah. Like like they're interviewing Nanami for like it's like you're like a cutaway on like history channel of like we asked an expert about how many black flashes he's performed well i've done it once and it's really reasonable i think on my best day how many times i've done it consecutively i did it four times and i got really lucky meanwhile yuji does it three times in a row no, like, yuji does it yuji does it four times in a row he gets four black flashes well, yeah. what the way it's set up, it's pa panel, 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 three in a row. And then Toad is just like, ah, three, but can he do the mythical four? <laughs> and then it's just, next panel, yes! <laughs> I always had this premonition about you, brother. It's the same feeling I had on that day when I knew my boredom would be upended. Oh, is this he's the imagining their, Yeah, he's imagining their never happened uh, childhood uh, junior high uh, time together. Oh, I thought uh, this was when the flashback of his teacher came up. Oh, no, no, this is also that moment. Okay. Um, Toda's teacher was a hot lady on a motorcycle who, having seen him at uh grade three beat the piss out of a high schooler said hey kid you're pretty strong so tell me what kind of girls do you like oh man it's it, 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 it's elucidating uh i i know this is obviously building up to something but like if that wasn't obvious that would be incredibly creepy <laughs> Look, this lady was wearing a cursed spirit snake like it was an accessory. I, I don't even know how to judge that at this point. Me uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, she is um, something. Uh, and then uh, for me, one of the things I took away is going back to Yuji. I really like the uh, introduction of the Black Flash because they make it they make it very clear that the Black Flash is a much more powerful curse technique than Divergent Fist. But my immediate, you know, Shonen fight brain went off and was thinking along, like I, I, I sort of mentioned this previously, the idea of what if you have someone with an, uh, who has like their curse technique is they can put up an incredibly powerful barrier. Yuji tries to black flash it and it doesn't like, you know, it, it cracks it, but it immediately repairs a black flash divergent uh, fist combo to like break through a barrier or something like the way that that can interact with uh, Yuji's power set playing off of other people's power sets just mm -hmm. got my mind buzzing with all of the possibilities speaking of power sets uh playing off other power sets uh tota decides after yuji has done his fourth black flash that he he has uh mastered his technique enough for him to join the fight and now as they this is the moment where we learn that aoi tota is truly built different Oh my god, I love how his curse technique is defined as it's not a very strong curse technique, but I make use of it. No, okay, it starts with him going, so let's analyze the enemy's techniques as he pulls a full Brock for half a chapter and yep. says, ah, yes, my 530,000 IQ, self-proclaimed, has given me all of the variables. The only true answer is victory as he yeah. and yuji launch into their double attack and it looks yeah. like 50 53,000 iq is impressive when uh, iq doesn't go higher than 200 uh-huh but <laughs> it looks like toda's about to be 
friggin' murdered straight off the bat by getting caught by uh, Hanami and thrown into some spikes. I laughed so hard at the panel of him doing a 50,000 IQ running. His leg gets caught by a root and he just goes, oops, oops. Ah! <laughs> and he's going for the for the spikes. Yeah, it's played like he's about to die. And I'm not going to lie. He, Toga was a parade of death flags at that point. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it's played like he's about to die. And then. Hanami's thrown onto the spikes. Toga gets punched in the face by Yuji. And it's like, wait, what was that? That was my cursed technique. Boogie woogie. When I clap my hands, I can make things with cursed energy swap positions. I, I think it says something about Toda's character that I was unsure whether or not his curse technique was called Boogie Woogie or if he just or said <laughs> Boogie Woogie to punctuate his sentence. <laughs> I wasn't sure either. The other fun bit is that Hanami is, doesn't seem to be like, because like he's a cursed spirit. So obviously he doesn't like, you know, have a normal physical body like, you know, a human would. But there there's just such a like totally understandable and reasonable element of when Hanami is impaled on the spikes, he's not in pain. He's not angry. He's just really confused. Wait, how am I here? The The guy was supposed to be th- what? Hello? <laughs> and then using the power of position swapping, our boys go to town and clobber the hell out of this special grade curse spirit. Because Toda yells out, my power activates when clapping. And then we just get constant clapping in the background. And I'm just like, oh, boy knows how to make his hands clap. Like, <laughs> oh, it leads to my absolute favorite panel in the manga, which is Hanami caught in the middle of all these attacks and then various uh, border panels of Toka, of Toda clapping with <laughs> orgasmic expressions on yep. his face. <laughs> oh, and um, my favorite bit is when the this finally hits the culmination of this part of the fight. This uh, sets up what had been said earlier when um, uh, curse techniques were being explained by Nanami is uh, sometimes you can mislead your opponent because... He's set up and then Toda claps real loud at one point and Hanami at this point had gotten used to the technique, reflexively turns to where he expects Yuji's punch to come from, then looks to see that's still Toda and Toda just goes, you idiot. It doesn't happen every time I clap my hands. Oh, no. Because <laughs> it, um, it's such it's such a moment of conditioning the enemy in a fighting game. I, I would play the Jujutsu Kaisen fighting game. Does that exist? Almost certainly it should, but it's like, okay, every time my opponent wakes up from a throw, he does a 2L and then you 5M them. <laughs> if Jujutsu Kaisen, the fighting game doesn't exist, Arxis, get on it. I, I will give you all of the money. Please, please, I will give you all of my money. <laughs> <laughs> they basically fight Hanami to a standstill. Uh, which is good because it's by this point that the teachers have broken through the barrier that was placed over the uh, over the grounds. Well, yeah, they, they other, find teacher, it. other teachers and the principal from Kyoto got in. Gojo was the only one who couldn't get in because yeah. they specifically kept him out because he's the protagonist of a different manga. <laughs> it, it was the barrier that explicitly kept, kept Gojo out. Uh, the reason we didn't mention it until now is um. The teachers who made it in did not do anything. They, uh, like, one of them is the principal. His fight does not conclude until the end of this. It's 
weird. It doesn't even I mean, really hit. It happens almost entirely. Like, like we know what his power set is. He's Grandpa Rockstar. Um, and then the the most egregious one to me is that you have this square off between the the Kyoto teacher and another new villain who has this really metaphorical sword where the hilt is a hand that they're holding, and they set up like it's gonna be this big epic fight. Wait, the curtains down. Bye, and they just leave. <laughs> Well, probably for good reason, because the second the curtain goes down, Gojo just smiles while Bleach standing in the air on his reishi uh, and then goes, <laughs> ah, yes. Ah, didn't you know? I am the Saitama of this world. <laughs> One punch. He, he just shows up and wins every fight. Further was, proving why he is the coolest guy. <laughs> there was a there was a bit earlier on where Yuji notes that because Nanami has these like ultra reflective glasses, uh, Yuji is like, huh, there are a lot of people uh, uh, covering their eyes in, in the world of Jujutsu Sorcerers. And then we see Gojo. It's like you can tell it's him, but like he almost looks like a different character without the blindfold and his hair down. Oh, he absolutely does. He just has this like menacing look on his face. And I'm thinking, is he in control of himself? And well, it's the, like, Joe's never really in control of himself. Let's be honest. Well, but. The, the thing that gets me is like when Gojo takes the blindfold off, he does look like an entirely different character. And he's got this serene smile on his face. The level of absolute godlike confidence that that exudes is unsettling because you truly feel like this man could do anything and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it and suddenly it makes absolute sense why the uh villain squad so afraid of him they're so afraid of him half of what they do is coming up with ways of manipulating sakuna the other half is finding ways of containing gojo it is telling that the that the main plan of the villain isn't to kill the strongest heroic character it's to trap him because they're under no illusions that they can do the former mm -hmm. <laughs> like so the the biggest the the ostensibly biggest villain that we've seen on the uh, on the non Sakuna side of the villain uh, camp uh, uh, laughed at someone who said that they would kill him. Mm -hmm. So Gojo descends like motherfucking Superman, eliminates every enemy. You now have and, no limbs. You get to deal with that. Because well, um, actually, it's kind of important when he uh, eliminates Hanami is that uh, Hanami kind of came to the realization that fighting is really fun. And it was like self-generating cursed energy from that, like realization that Mahito had. And from that, he was like, I have unlocked my domain expansion. I will kill these children now and is about to do that. That's when Gojo's like, oh, barriers down. Violet blood. Uh, I, I forget what it's actually called, but like Violet Punch, I think Violet Hollow. That's it. Oh, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Violet Hollow. And Coda is just like, no, brother, do not go forward. If you did, you'd become a casualty. And bam, the giant like Kamiyama blast. Fire the satellite laser. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, the space colony arc. He's pissing on the moon. Uh. <laughs> It erases Hanami from the scene. Hanami's not dead, admittedly, but he's no longer relevant. <laughs> there's also there's also the element of uh, Gojo admits that like uh, I used I used so much 
burst energy that I could not track him because it was basically just a wall of it. I don't know mm. if he got away or not. <laughs> and now uh, wrap up. Everyone is, is thinking, uh, eh, well, I guess maybe we should, or all of the staff is thinking, eh, we should call off the, the Goodwill event. That didn't, you know, go well. And then uh, Gojo brings the, uh, the student, you know, both sets of students in. What are you talking about? What, uh, what are we doing tomorrow? This was fun. As, uh, you know, it's like there's the somber moment of. Um, yeah, because like. Oh, yeah. Nine we- members of staff got killed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because thing we forgot to mention, while all these shenanigans were happening out on the battlefield, um, Mahito broke into Jujutsu High and stole six of Sukuna's fingers. Yeah. And murdered several people on the way. I forget exactly who all's having this conversation. I believe Gojo is not in the room at the time. Or actually, no, I think it's the villains having a conversation after, like, like it's a flashback to them planning this attack. And um, they're mentioning that Jujutsu High has way more Sukuna fingers than, uh, than at least the vessel is aware of. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gojo doesn't know either because he probably would have taken them and given them to Yuji, but the, uh, the rest of the staff doesn't want uh, the vessel getting overwhelmed. You know, it's Gojo. He probably knew. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, the the interesting thing about Gojo is that his omnipotence is not paired with omniscience. Yeah, so it's a it's hard to say, but mm. I, I have a feeling that uh, he's perceptive enough to have recognized the situation. But- Toda has got a great line about like, well, mourning really should only be people uh, the people affected by things, and I'm like, oh, Toda, that's a. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a call and a half, I guess. But OK. Um, <laughs> oh, my favorite part about this is the fact that Toda keeps showing up and everyone is surprised by it when he's like, Yuji, my brother, of course, I would always find you to be involved in these intense emotional situations. I really wasn't myself during all of that. Please can you stop? Oh, no, we are brothers. Please let I- me alone. <laughs> Yeah, I love it so much because that scene's immediately after Megumi and uh, is in bed because of his like fight uh, with mm-hmm. Hanami. He's he's like getting some rest. Uh, Nobara and Yuji are just like messing around on both sides of his bed because the trio is back together. Uh, and Nobara is just ribbing Yuji for like, what was that nonsense with Toda? You're his brother now. Were you drunk? Like, and <laughs> you're just his like, buddy I, now, huh? I, I mean, I wouldn't say I, that. I got caught up in the moment. Please don't. Just, <laughs> I'm really embarrassed. Um. <laughs> He's been really weird ever since. Please don't encourage this. At which point she proceeds to encourage it because, of course, she does. Yep. And then, um, what eventually ends up happening is, uh, the goodwill event continues on. They pull an event randomly out of a box. And choose a baseball game, which, um, concerning how weird it appears to be, uh, Gojo probably put it in. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he was fleeing the scene once everyone read it out loud implies that as well. He fled the scene whistling casually. <laughs> Gojo, get back here! Because, um, I think when this was being set up in the, uh, training arc that was however many months ago we read this, uh, they implied that the second half of the tournament arc what was like a one-on-one tournament arc, like very tuning exam. Um, clearly that wasn't going to happen. And they're like, well, technically that event can be whatever you want. So we decided to mix it up and it's we play baseball. And it's great because there's just everyone in baseball uniforms playing a game of baseball. And it's very interstitial to um, the conversation happening between Gojo and uh, the principle of just like hey look you know why i tried to kill yuji right we can't make exceptions for people because if we make a sec- exceptions then what are the rules for 
And also, um, I don't know best way to phrase this. You're a megalomaniac, and I think your false confidence is going to get everyone killed. And Gojo's just like, you know, fair point, but also I'm the best, so shut up. <laughs> and then we get uh, we get the uh, Tokyo principal mentioning that uh, uh, basically more eloquently putting uh, into words uh, what Gojo's perspective is, is hey, maybe those rules are bad because uh, Yuji has done way more good uh, being alive uh, and the, our situation would be noticeably worse without him. And it's like, there's not really, like they don't come to an agreement because neither, you know, side can really, uh, you know, point to an objective truth that, you know, proves their point. You know, one of them is, one of them is concerned about the future and the other is concerned about the here and now. So... Mm. Uh, I, I sort of like this because uh, there there's uh, basically uh, instead of it being a horror whammy panel, it's a it's a punchline whammy panel of um, uh, we're playing baseball now. And it's well, like the, most it's, it's more than a whammy panel. This entire thing is filled with great jokes like Mechamaru yeah. since his body got destroyed. He's, he's playing a as a pitching machine. machine. <laughs> but like, well, no, no, because I'm, I'm going back a chapter before that, because what I'm saying is there was the you know, there was like the wrap up of the of the conflict and then the way what most manga would do is you have the the punchline whammy panel of we're playing baseball now and then move on to the next arc no we're doing a whole chapter of baseball we see you know we see a whole ass baseball game <laughs> and it's like it's like but they use it to actually have this uh philosophical discussion of like the kyoto principle does actually have a legitimate point he's not just an evil spiteful asshole he does have a reason for what he's doing you know that also might be a factor in addition but like there is a real reason to be concerned about yuji but at the same time maybe don't kill this nice guy who saved many many people Look, i'm just saying the real takeaway is i tricked all of you into reading a sports manga <laughs> damn it it took all these years but he got us oh my favorite bit is this ends too with um tota going up to bat and he's just like my brother yuji who's being the catcher right now and uh nabara just beans him in the head and every single person involved goes nice pitch nice pitch nice pitch <laughs> i i don't think people like you <laughs> no, well, no okay tota falls over and looks like he's dead and i'm like is this the final episode of samurai champlo <laughs> <laughs> and there and there's yuji holding tota expecting people to be concerned and and then the <laughs> nice pitch nice pitch and uh and yuji just has this like terrified look at his face like tota you are truly hated <laughs> <laughs> oh, which i don't but, uh, get anyway delightful mm -hmm. but anyway in the end i would the... not want to be in his presence like let's be honest <laughs> Oh, no, he's delightful no, that, to read about <laughs> oh no that's the thing um why is he a cursed energy user despite being a font of positivity it's because he is overwhelming the tokyo team wins uh two to zero which is an insanely low score for baseball <laughs> mm -hmm. well we do see what happened to one of the it should have been a home run hits yes so. i mean fair yes that's uh that's the end of the kyoto um goodwill games arc mm-hmm mm -hmm. And the end of our reading, everybody, uh, a very, 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 very important question. What kind of girls do you like? <laughs> I uh, think obviously the most obvious answer to start with a J. What? 
Jay. I don't know how to answer this question. Jay, what kind of girls do you like? Hmm. Why don't you come back to me? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I will respond and say yes. A fair answer. <laughs> I mean, I feel you, you've mentioned that you kin with Toda, so. Exactly. Exactly. I have never spiritually connected with a manga character more than when Toda said, I like tall girls with big bots. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, Jacob. Yeah, we're doing the full round for this one. Yes. I mean, I, I put this on as a joke. I didn't think we'd actually do it. All right. So I guess since we're doing this, um, actually, funnily, funnily enough, I, I have mentioned in other episodes that I like blondes. Uh, so, uh, blondes, I like ponytails and green eyes slay me. Uh, though I, I do have to admit that Sam's answer of yes is uh, a, a pretty damn good answer. So for further reading, watch Showcat's I Like Girls video. Matt. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know if I could really make a decision. It really depends on their personality. And um... <laughs> you are boring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nabar is in my corner with good answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're just reenacting that scene from the previous. Look, I know. Look, I know Chase in the call, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's do our actual real first question. Uh -huh. Favorite character, favorite fight. Oh, Tota's the uh, oh, Tota, best character, best character in anything ever. I love him, and I want him to be in everything I read. <laughs> Uh, favorite fight. I think it would actually have to be uh, Maki and Mai. Not because it was a particularly intricate fight, but because it it brought out the deepest feelings of those characters. And a good fight really does get down to the core of why the conflict is happening. And those two beating the absolute piss out of each other because of their uh childhood experiences and their diametrically opposed remembrance of it was very compelling um i can go i guess my favorite character in all of this reading um mahito i really enjoy i think he's a great villain i love his power set and everything um if i oh nanami is second favorite uh and their fight would probably be my second favorite fight uh with the whole ratioed and like shaping their own soul it's really strong. I just would feel remiss if I didn't say um, Mechamaru versus Panda is probably mm. my favorite fight. Just because oh, that, when, that fight was very fun. Yeah. When I was reading Jujutsu Kaisen week to week, um, like getting up to this point, uh, I wasn't sure how I felt about the series. I was just like, this is fun. But like it, it had like parts it was dragging on me and I'm like, it could be other things. Panda versus Mechamaru was when it hit the right amount of like, hey, this power system we have does some weird things. Are you on board? And I'm like, I am on board. Let's let's go with the remote puppeted android fighting the corpse of a panda with the soul of a gorilla. And also there's a third soul you're not telling me about. Mm -hmm. Nice. And like we kind of glossed over it, but there is a real deep through line in that of like the nature of what it is to be alive that I, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Mm hmm. It's a not necessarily a more serious, but it is a uh, exploration that takes more time of the everything that lives has a heart idea that Eden Zero has. 
Yeah. And Jay, favorite character, favorite fight? So, um, as far as the... I'll do the inverse. So favorite fight, um, that kind of already took the words out of my mouth. That was my favorite fight, mostly because I really enjoyed the dynamism that was pro- uh, provided for Panda and the fact that he had multiple cores. And it was just really interesting to find more about his backstory, mostly the fact that it wasn't immediately apparent to myself that he was essentially a doll. I don't know. Um, so that was some lore that was kind of uh, new and refreshing for me. Um, they and I also, explained why the panda could talk. I mean, if you look into my repertoire of shows I get really into, this is not even doesn't even register anymore. So sure, pandas <laughs> can talk. Um, <laughs> so my favorite character, uh, Mahito, um, I just really like his aesthetic, his aesthetic and his dynamic. It really reminded me of, um, not to get ahead of myself here, but My Hero Academia, Demia and Dobby. I also have to say that I really have to give it up to, can't remember name, but I'm going to go with... Uh, Little Mahito. Witch Academia. No, I hate, absolutely hate that series. Do not ever mention that to my face. Momo? No. Okay. I just said Maki. Is your favorite uh, character? Yes. Okay. Maki is pretty good. For me, um, in all honesty, um, I can't even say exactly why, but the characters didn't really thrill me. And I think I had that same sort of impression last time, though I will say one of the things that I... Uh, like. like I didn't dislike any of the characters. Basically, everybody had, you know, every every, you know, character who was a character character had, you know, a moment that, you know gave them an endearing quality, you know, to attach to. So it's just nobody really stood out for me, I think is the best way of putting it. But whilst uh, Yuji in a lot of ways is a unique take on a pretty traditionalist shonen protagonist, and I I, I like him and I uh, felt the need to shout him out. And um, Maki continues to be cool in the exact same ways that made her my favorite last time. I think the character that stood out the most to me was actually Panda. And it's entirely because I've never seen a character in such an empathetic way say, life can suck for everybody, get over it. Uh-huh. Oh, no, that that was the thing I loved the absolute most about him. It was said with such empathy, despite how, um, you know, it's like it's like the literal words seem dismissive, but it was, um, you know, like that's it's it's similar to the, uh, you know, just because someone's um, in pain doesn't mean they're right. Or actually, no, this this is what panda says that sentiment is so important so real world valuable and the fact that he was so reflexively willing to be like oh you're not happy right now i'll help you out you're saying it's impossible Eh, we're magic we'll figure it out Mm -hmm. like that 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 is so endearing and that's such a mature perspective the kind of thing i'd aspire to you know i'd want to be in a world like jujutsu kaisen i'd want to be like panda you know he he really seems like he's you know got himself together as for favorite fight this i do feel a lot stronger about and despite the fact that there were a pretty good number of uh good fights the one that stood out in my mind the most was actually Yuji versus Mahito, just because I felt that the choreography was uh, the strongest in their one-on-one right after uh, Junpei had been killed. It was just a really, um, you know, dynamic mobile fight that was fun for me to read. So uh, that would be my pick in that category. Uh, Though, 
what you know what Sam mentioned about uh, the the Maki and Mai uh, fight having a little bit more intellectual depth is definitely a good second for me. I think I will pick up on that. Like all the fights in here do have like really good, like dynamic angles to them. Like there's very few times they're set just giving you like a normal straight on perspective. They'll do like weird upshots and everything. And it's like a real film quality to it. Yeah, it gives it a lot of it gives the sequential art a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, now that uh, I know we wanted to ask this last time because I wanted to ask this, but uh, I we came to the conclusion we hadn't gone through the cursed uh, the Kyoto Goodwill arc. And um, actually, the versus Mahito arc is also very important. Uh, how do you all feel about the cursed uh, energy power system now that you've actually gotten to see multiple people use it beyond Yuji just punching good with it and Gojo, I guess, using it? Fight. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> Oh, I'm mm. I'm in love with it. I find it difficult to understand conceptually. Um, I am just completely infatuated with it. I want to see more of it. I find it a very compelling and complex system, and I I, I just want more. Uh, for me, it's definitely grown on me quite a lot. Um, my and um, I didn't. I don't think I even really had the words uh, to express uh, why I wasn't too keen on it last time. Um, I think I think what my issue with it was is they were calling it cursed energy and it felt like they were just giving a name to like chi for the sake of being special snowflake different and it didn't really do a lot to differentiate itself from other shonen shows. But now that we've gotten more into the what the power sets actually are and what they do, and we've delved a little bit more into the uh, aspects of how, because it's like it was mentioned that negative emotions uh, were like the source of this power system, but it didn't, it felt like just words. But now that we've actually like gotten into it a bit more, it feels, you know, it, it, it put it, its money where its mouth is. And um, that combined with the fact that, you know, like I mentioned, you know, it's it's a really simple power, but um, the combination of Black, uh, Black Flash and Divergent Fist creates a lot of really interesting opportunity for uh, cool interactions. So I've, I, you know, it, you know, this is a really good example of let something actually like show what it can do before you judge it. Because uh, I did, I did say uh, I'll, I'll withhold my judgment until I see more. But this, this has definitely turned it around for me quite a bit. Uh, I really enjoy it. I feel like it's got the right amount of um, like structure to it. Like it gives you the bare minimum of like, hey, here are some rules. But doesn't do the trap of like, hey, I've spent a lot of time developing this really cool system. Here is effectively a um, educational novel on it. Mm, and it's like, yeah. uh, I, I don't want a technical resource in my like Hunter Hunter. I love Nen. Nen's a really cool power system. Oh, boy, do you occasionally get a chapter where it's just like, so did you want to learn how to do the technical one point? And it's just like, oh, my God, buddy, I did not sign up for. See, Nen that's what I appreciate that. It makes sense. It's a structure. There's a balance for any given reader that uh, uh, a story has to strike, not just manga, but any any piece of media has to strike. And I'm in the camp with Matt that I feel like this this explains enough without over explaining. I really appreciate that it's got that like level of structure that you can feel there is an infrastructure to the thing you are standing on, but you do not need to read the blueprints. Whereas um, like uh, just because it's recent in my memory, Fire Force, those pyrotechnics, I do not believe have an infrastructure. I believe it's just, hey, fire powers are cool and that's <laughs> fine. But like. I'm not going to say that's a really good power system. It's a thematic one, but like, 
And yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a theming system, not a power system. I guess uh, the final question we have: um, Would you continue reading? Uh, obviously, I've said I've already read beyond this point, so my answer is null and void. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely would. I I remember being a little. Not that I didn't like it or that it turned me off or anything, but I was pretty meh on Jujutsu Kaisen last time. But this reading really captivated me, and I absolutely would continue. Yeah, uh, this might actually be a bit of a surprise, but this is going to be one of my first no's. You know, like, not obviously not the first, but um, the thing is, and I really wish I had a better answer for why, um, because I usually like it, it, if I say I don't want to read something anymore, I want to like understand why it's not connecting with me, but I'm just not vibing with the characters. And, you know, it's sort of like when I was talking about favorite characters, how nobody really stood out. Like sometimes I have trouble remembering characters names and that's not a good sign. <laughs> um, mm. and it's like, it's like when we're talking about it, it comes back to me and it's like, oh yeah, that was cool. But I'm just not, it, it, it's just not jiving with me on an emotional level, I guess. So it's it's definitely the case of, uh, this is a good series. I'm not feeling it personally, so I wouldn't continue. But I, I you know, I wouldn't complain about doing another episode for the um, podcast on Jujutsu Kaisen. But I've given it 50 plus chapters and it's, it, it's anti-grabbed me. So that's sort of the the point where I'd say, yeah, I'd definitely more than enough out. to give something a fair yeah. shake. Like, that's a yeah, I've, mm -hmm. I've given this I've given this very much a fair shake. And yeah, it's quality, but not for me. OK. And finally, Jay, would you continue reading Jujutsu Kaisen? So I have a complicated answer. Well, not complicated, but complicated in this context. Um, I do enjoy the um, characters. Um, they have some real characters that really resonate, and obviously I'm able to tie them to favorite characters from other series. Um, <laughs> I am familiar with the um, general plot line, um, and I, while I am not a huge fan of the power system, I could see myself perhaps later down the line finally figuring out more about you know how it works with my brain. Um, however, if we continue on with the podcast, obviously I'll read it um, out of character for me. I would possibly prefer not to if I were given a choice to read the written format. I would prefer to watch this in the anime format. And I, this is an outlier for me because I usually prefer to read the source material. I yeah. will say... <laughs> I'm interested in seeing these fights animated because I think that's a real strong point of this. And if they do it justice in the anime, I think that might actually make, especially for the Kyoto Games arc, I think maybe watching it might be a more enjoyable way of parsing the material. I feel like hearing characters' voices might help with my issue to some extent, for example. Mm -hmm. it's, I, like, it's like I said earlier, my biggest complaint about this series is visual clarity. And that is that while... Um, Akatume-sensei is incredibly skilled as an illustrator. Uh, sometimes it is hard to parse who is doing what in a panel. Yeah, don't and, get me started on having a tournament arc in a forest where all the characters are wearing black school uniforms. Yes. And they, they made a point to go that like last reading that the because there's so few students, the students get to customize their uniforms. They sure look the same because they're all yeah. black fabric. Um, yeah. Again, yeah, from that really factored into my enjoyment of just reading it. Again, there's nothing. I, I feel awful doing this because I feel like I'm betraying like the OGs <laughs> of like, no, you have to read the source material. 
The source material for me is not as enjoyable as anime. Yeah, <laughs> I think I I will in I'll jump to its defense a little bit here. Um, it does get a little easier when it's not a bunch of high school students wearing their school uniforms in a forest. That uh, thankfully doesn't happen again. Yeah, but, um, that's fair. It's um, like I, think- I I looked up clips from the anime for the section that we read, and I found the visual clarity in that to be far higher hmm. and i could easily tell who was doing what and what was happening and that took a very very solid uh shonen action manga to the next height of being an incredibly enjoyable like top tier shonen action anime and so I, I really think that uh, the animation studio has done a great job of improving upon this one glaring flaw, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, take, taking a good series and making it even better. Mm-hmm. I think I think if if anything, if I had any kind of like rationalization for why I wasn't feeling the characters, this does have a fairly large cast. And, you know, the fact that the characters can sometimes be there's like a little visual noise between them. Um, The reason why I didn't mention that before is that like so many of them have such interesting personalities. I just don't know why I can't care as much about them as I feel like I should. Don't get me started on how confused I got during the Megumi and Noritoshi fight, because they are both (laughs) sad boys with black spiky hair. They (laughs) are. (laughs) Thank goodness one of them had a broken eye halfway through with a blood splatter so I could tell them apart. Tell them apart, yeah. So so basically, uh, (laughs) dear listener, this this is basically a soft recommendation from everyone with the caveat that it might not be for you, and you're probably going to know before you get to this point so mm-hmm. all right so uh thus takes us to the end of our reading and the end of our discussion so thank you everyone once again for tuning in to the over manga cast be sure to follow us on all of the social medias where we are at over manga cast on facebook twitter instagram uh probably something else but i try not to pay attention to social media i often fail but i try <laughs> You need to pay attention to all the social media to increase your cursed energy. Uh, you can <laughs> seriously. You can also... Twitter is an incredible source of uh, cursed energy, or just cursed. Mm-hmm. It is. But uh, yeah, you can also uh, leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. We love getting those. We love hearing from you. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the show, l- love hearing them. If you want anything for us to read. We'll get around to it. Uh, <laughs> spring is a packed month for things coming out. But um, and, spring uh, is a packed month, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you want to comment on individual episodes, uh, YouTube is a great place to give us uh, individual comments and get some engagement there. Yep. Like, comment, subscribe, all the all the good stuff. Ring, mm. ring the bell and... Sam, speaking of uh, all the good stuff, um, what are what are we reading next week? Well, we said that this upcoming season was packed full of anime releases, and that includes, for some reason, <laughs> Thermiromai is getting a second anime, <laughs> which is not a season two. It's just reanimated because <laughs> the original season uh, was back in the time where they were doing real cheapo uh Seasons for stuff. Awa and Rictus, and uh, make sure to read Thermai Romai chapters 1 through 17 
and uh we'll see you next week good night everybody peace good night everybody good night <laughs>